This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Uh, RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're learning about family, theater, and especially the endless love of Christ and his followers. As we watch Spine 261 in the Criterion Collection, Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander from 1982. But first, RJ, mm-hmm. you know, I got a pro tip for you, buddy. What's that, bud? This is unsolicited, I know. This is a free advice? Is so, that what you're saying? When you have a home inspector tell you that your water heater is 13 years old, Mm-hmm. And he says, well, it could last you another week. It could last you another 10 years. You just replace it. So are you saying that if it, if I was in said situation and I was like, you know, I think I'll maybe just wait this one out. Mm-hmm. We should replace it. Yeah. Is there any reason you're giving said advice? <sighs> Let's just say that. The, the price of a water heater up around our parts is it's going to run you maybe 1200 bucks because maybe you have some, sure. like, some weirdness, some awkward spaces. Someone's going to have to tear out a door frame to get at it, to get it out. It's like one of those things that would put you off getting a change in the first place. Mm-hmm. However, if your hand is forced, say, and the unstoppable force of water comes pouring all over mm-hmm. one's basement uh, and causes damage, mm-hmm. potentially to the tune of oh, I don't know seventeen thousand um, dollars. If that were your if that were a thing you were facing, mm-hmm. uh, a, a property that you owned, you, you might want to like say, you know what, I might get the water heater before that happens. So you know what? So you're, at least you're not out that deductible. And whatever mm-hmm. the potential increase for the uh, insurance premiums would be, that sure. and that goes out to everyone, folks. That's free advice. As that is free, unsolicited advice to kick things off here on the Criterion Cruise Podcast and Homeowner Buyer Association Board thing. Okay, so I, I have a few comments. I mean, okay. first of all, I think the unstoppable force of water, or did you say the potential force of water, whatever that is, I think would be a great name for. Like a movie about maybe like a gill man that falls in love with like a, a lady. Maybe a, she's a, like a deaf a, mute. A gill man? Yeah, like you know the gill man. And uh, maybe he he falls in love with like a deaf mute woman. Yeah. Possibly a French woman. I think that'd be a great title for a movie like that. The potential or the... Remember how the water filled that bathroom? I do. Yeah. I do. Yep. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good name for that. And then... Uh, Yes, 17K, that's uh, pretty substantial, I guess. I mean, I'm not pulling down comic book uh, employee <laughs> money, so uh, oh, no. <laughs> I, I know you guys are swimming in it, so that's, that's well, nothing. Liter- literally, we're swimming yeah, in it. swimming in it. So yeah. I know you just laugh at an amount of money like that, and you go, ha, 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 and, let me, and you say, let me get out my toilet paper made of hundreds on a Rolodex. Yes. And uh, you just kind of hand that over. Yeah. So, uh did your house like collapse or uh it's it's good now it's fine the house the house will survive but will you well check in with me in like a couple weeks okay okay i mean i don't have a choice on that so uh this yeah well that sucks Mm -hmm. um couldn't have happened to a worse guy. Thank you. And uh yeah, maybe maybe you should uh, should take care of that. It'll happen all in due course. 
How are you, RJ? So, well, I'm thinking now. We had a guy in here fixing our furnace a uh, couple, like a month ago, maybe. And um, he uh, he came in, and we have one of those eco water heaters, so it like heats on demand. So Ooh. there's no tank. So it's an on demand system. Yeah, yeah. God damn. So it heats on it heats what, on what, demand. Who am I? Look at me talking about like hundred dollar bills on toilets and you're talking well, about on demand systems mr rockefeller here i rj Baylock. <laughs> well but, but let me just tell you what, what this guy said so it's uh i think there's improved models now but um he came in and like this thing always makes kind of like a hum all it just looks like a box on the wall and it makes like a hum it's like or like a thrumming sound and i was andrew's always like why is that thing so loud i was like i don't know how stuff makes noises like what are you gonna do? But that guy came in and he's like, he's like, is that your Navian like uh, water tank? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's not supposed to make that sound, man. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And uh, he was like, he's like, why? Well, I, I used to work at this company. They're the only company in town that actually like repairs these things. And he was like, uh, he's like, that's the original model. He's like, they those all got uh, like they don't make Recalled? them anymore because they all started exploding Ooh. like and there's no recall what there's and there's not a recall on there this? was no recall they just stopped putting them out ah okay well that makes it nice and legal <laughs> yeah they just stopped putting them out and the dude was like he's like if you don't have any problems with it he's like it's probably fine he's like but they have been known to blow up uh-huh. uh and he's like and if it does he's like because there's no tank uh, you would have to get like a similar model to fill in the spot there and he said those are like four grand yeah that's yeah. you know, on demand is not cheap. Um, it doesn't work that great. Now, it's now have you have you fo- have you followed up on this? Have you like checked to make sure that this guy wasn't uh, giving you like one of those? Oh, you better get rid of this one. Actually, I I do believe him because he doesn't work for that company anymore, okay. and he's like, it pains me to say this. He's like, but they are the only people in town that will actually work on these things. He's like, so you have to call them. And then he wrote down. He's like, this is what's wrong with your thing. So he's like, if anything ever happens read this out to them so they know what to come prepared with and then they'll do it. Well, I guess the other thing too is uh, potentially to make sure that he's not, you know, spreading old wives tales, RJ style. Hey, 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 I've never said she's anything all that, that wasn't, wasn't true. And uh, she's all that. RJ. Hey, do you remember what George Casanza said? It's not a lie. If you believe it. Oh, okay. I mean, that, and that's, that, the, that's, that's the honest truth. If you again, think it's true, then that, that it is nice and legal. I believe that's uh isn't that kind of like hey look at these votes I am clearly the winner enough said oh, RJ enough said. by the way you know what came yeah. in the, you know what came in the mail what <gasps> oh my gosh a Canadian delicacy on what is that 4K blue no I I opted just at the time when I pre- I pre-ordered Possessor by mm-hmm. uh Brandon Cronenberg um mm-hmm. And the blue, the, I didn't know there was a 4K available, so I sort of the Blu-ray. And then uh, this thing, like at one point, Amazon dot Canada claimed that this was going to be shipping out to me December 30th, mm. <laughs> despite a pre-order and uh, coming out like a week ago. But like usual, it seems like I don't know if they do that to make people cancel because they weren't getting enough in. I don't know. I don't know. They, I don't they know, do I don't know all if they're sorts trying to psych, trying to psych us out. Yeah. So I don't know. Fuck. I whatever. I, it showed up. And I'm like, oh cool. And then oh, there's a 4K. I'm like, I don't know if I, I need all those pixels for a possessor. Maybe you do though. But you know what came out this week? Goddamn tenant. I know. I was gonna say, did you get your copy Not yesterday? Yet. No, I, sh- I. I mean, again, things come up. You know. You know. Mm-hmm. You have to hang out 
at a house. Bucket water. Waiting for yeah, well, I I did that. That was Monday night. But yeah. uh, no, you have to you have to hang out and do whatever. You can't do what you're expecting to do. With yeah, your time. I'm aware. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's how life works, right? It blows. I know, man. I know. That's uh, sometimes that that happens to me too. It's just it's just the way she goes. But even me, I'm a Chris Nolan stan, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't have my copy with me right now because you know, maybe Hollywood deserves what it's coming to it. Wow. I mean. We have you have fine specimens like Thomas Cruz mm-hmm. out there. Yell, hey, he was doing yelling. what he thought was right. Yeah, I I listened to that. I listened to that tape. Everyone's listened to that tape, right? Yeah, that, I, that, I that audio. Uh, I, I saw the I saw the dialogue. You saw the dialogue, and like I I don't know these people. This goes back to last week. <laughs> like. <laughs> There's people without jobs, and I'm gonna fire you people if you don't do what I tell you. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's some, that's some issues right there. Well, I mean, he has like a billion dollars too, so he could pay people to do stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, I could, I, I, both sides, RJ, both sides. People are comparing it to Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan was funny. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, uh, yeah. Bale, Christian Bale. Oh, Christopher uh, Nolan. The amateur stuff? Yeah. Fucking amateur. <laughs> it's good stuff. I like it. Uh, I can't remember the rest he says or else I'll do his voice. He sounds like this. Boy, Christian Bale. Ooh. Crocky. Well, you can't see my face right now, but RJ can. <laughs> it's, uh, no, never. Uh, don't do that. No. Oh, I'm Christian Bale. Jesus. You know, yeah. well, that sucks about your water tank, and uh, sucks to be you, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I guess. But hey, not not a single DVD or Blu-ray was harmed. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, even if your Blu-ray got in some water, it'd probably be fine, right? Well, well, those cases, RJ. Well, if are they just clams, uh, clamshell cases? Well, yeah. Or I, I guess mean, they uh, have paper am- in them. Emery, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they have that paper slip. What if you had a steel book? Would it rust? Yeah, probably. Not stainless steel. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't, I don't know. I think steel book is a maybe just a way of saying it's it's hard and it it it's like feels like it's tin. I don't know. I don't are you know, saying I, that steel books are false advertising to us? Because I will take that right up to the Supreme Court. You gonna get that class action? You gonna get on yep. that uh that Microsoft class action lawsuit? Well, I know I'm going to get my copy of Batman v Superman Steelbook, and I'm going to go right to Warner Brothers. What's the well, Microsoft thing? I saw that. Like, oh, what did they do? Yeah, if you bought a computer from like 1998 to 2008, you are yes. you'll get like some money. Like, we're talking like 20 bucks a, well, a, a thing, maybe. I definitely bought a computer in that time frame. Are they going to send me the money? Uh, yeah, they'll send you up up to that amount by, via check at some point. Do I have to log on for that or something? Yeah. yeah. Check uh, it out, folks. Don't let I think uh old Bill, he's microchipping us with those vaccines. He's got all the money. So and, and he, <laughs> he you, doesn't. That's just stupid. People are yeah. fucking stupid. Get get you, get vaccinated, people. You know what? I, I had this conversation with someone the other day. Yeah. Someone was like and they brought it up as a joke, like the microchip thing, and I was like, I don't understand why people are opposed to that. I'd get fucking <laughs> microchip today. Well I mean, we all have our phones, which is like 
already knows everything about us but if they wanted to put a chip in my arm and so like because you know how they want to clear vaccinations now for things like you'd have to have proof of vaccination if if i had the choice between carrying around a piece of paper or getting a chip in my arm and just like scanning it and being like i'm good i would do that in a fucking heartbeat well and then chips would be on the black market rj you you will fit right in with the new world order I'd be fine with that. Who gives a shit? They already know everything I do. Familiar, are you familiar with the number of the beast, RJ? Six six six. Wow, it's gonna be on a, it's gonna be on your forehead as a barcode. You're Fuck, gonna... I don't care. <laughs> I, I'd be fine with that. We're we're literally assigned numbers. What, at birth. what happens when you want to live off the grid, man? What if you want? That's a, you can't unless you move to the mountains, buy a horse, and stop bothering people. It's no, not gonna happen. Even that, even that's illegal now. Yeah, you can't do that. No. You can't just like move to the mountains. No. You have to have land. You got to pay taxes. No, Freedom uh, is a lie, Jarrett. No, uh, they're not. Freedom gonna, they're, is a lie. They're not, not going to get me. All I know. All all I need is I want Amazon to continue sending me Possessor and other Blu-rays and whatever I want, whenever I want. That's all I want because that's apparently what libertarians want or something. Because they're they're, saying- they're they're very consistent. You sound like that. Um, you sound like that uh, Arcade Fire song. Everything now. You're like, I want it. Everything now. I need it. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, Remember how bad that song Chemistry was from Arcade Fire? Holy fuck! Which I still think about that. that. Which album is that one? The Everything Now album. There's a song on there called Chemistry, and I was like, that is the worst Arcade Fire song I've ever heard. That's the one I probably listened to the least. The least. Well, that's... Yeah, that album's not that good. Oh yeah. Did I? Yeah. I don't think I've. When did this one come out? Everything now. Three like year, three uh, years ago. Did yeah, I, we talked about it. Yeah. Like okay. I've. It's I've, not very good. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. But I also don't. Have you heard of this Dan Mangan guy? No. He's like a he's like a singer, and I heard a song of his, and it sounded exactly like this is why I have everything now in my head. It sounded exactly like that everything now, and I was like, this guy's a fucking ripoff. Although he's a huge success now. I was like, he just copied this song. And no one's talking about and it. And he's a good Canadian boy, RJ. Dan Mangan? No. Maybe that's why he popped up on my thing. Vancouver based Canadian musician. Well, he's hundred percent fraud based in my mind at this point. <sighs> wow. <laughs> go go listen to everything now and then listen to a song called Lynchpin, and you tell me that the first minute of those two songs don't have like the exact same melody to them. Canadian melodies. Canadian melodies. Well, yeah, because Arcade Fire is from Montreal, except for uh, what's his name, Win Butler. That dude's from Texas, the lead singer. Oh. And then he moved to Montreal. See, you you want Canadiana facts? Did you know where baseball or not? Did you know basketball was hey. invented by Canadian? Hey, hear that? Sh- you hear that, Sugarhead? Yeah, he knows. He likes it when we talk about that. I know he that does. bullshit he- lies. It wasn't uh, a Nemsmith or Nesmith, whatever. He's Lie. Canadian, 100%. Yep. Him and Paul Cassavetes hang out every day. Bullshit artist. Bull- bullshit artist. Yep. It's for uh, Peterson out there. I know he's a big fan of that one. And Sam. Oh, Sam Sanchez doesn't like Greasy Strangler either? No, oh, remember? He gave that a big half star. Son Ooh, of, shit. Son of a bitch. Damn. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Ah, uh, fuck. Um, hey, just uh, this is like... We'll tie into the emails, but a uh, okay. uh, friend of the show, Rob Eagle, he sent us some real gold this past mm-hmm. week to celebrate Fanny and Alexander. And I uh, 
strongly recommend people check it out on our media platforms from whatever. What's the date today? December 16th? 16th. Check it mm-hmm. out. It's gold. Well, it's it's pretty well. I think we've peaked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we cannot pass no. uh, we cannot pass this. No. Uh, so it is posted on everything. I had to repost. Uh, so actually, it would have more likes on Instagram, but uh, I accidentally had to repost it because you know sometimes when you post Insta- Instagram, it like crops out, and as much as you try to like z- like zoom back or like fit it, it like doesn't work. So I was having a real go with that today, but uh, we figured it out. You were ha- you were having some challenges. Uh, well, I always have some challenges, but I was definitely having challenges with this one. It was very annoying. But, uh, yeah, it was um, – I mean, I think Meme Week is proven success now because of that, right? Um, You're a fan of Meme Week, I, aren't you? I guess. Oh, okay. I, no, no, actually. No. You're not a fan of Meme Week? Why not? <sighs> you know, I want I want it to be more natural. Too many Garrett memes? Fanny and Alexander fear, feels very natural. It came from a good place. Yeah, Not, not from the dark recesses of... The, uh, the dark web? Uh, uh, the, the dank web. Wow. Yeah. You know wow. what? Um, well, let's talk about emails. Let's get to those okay. emails. Okay. Do, we get a, do we have any emails from females? Uh, not, not for sure. Not certain. <laughs> What about uh, from Corpse? Did he email in? Haven't heard from him for a while. No. Okay. Okay, just checking. Just Fuck, checking. Fucking goddamn it, Corpse. Where are you, Ben? I don't know. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's doing Christmas, or maybe he has a family. I don't know. We we hardly know this Corpse guy. <laughs> he he's. I mean, what's what's your mental image of Corpse, RJ? When Me? you hear the when you hear the name Corpse, what comes to mind? I honestly a ghoul and I don't know a, like a decaying true. ghoul yeah, emerging from the, the grave and down in his in his uh, mausoleum he's got like horror movies and a TV and a like TV. an old funny year TV and, and just watches whatever's yeah. on well he's got his tapes he's got his tapes yeah. he's, he's got his DVD VCR combo that he got Ooh. from uh, uh, Canadian Tire Tire yep. yeah and it's actually perhaps like also the monitor, like the CRT monitor. It's like yeah, all it's, it's all, all in it, one. It's all in one because uh, corpse is practical. If anything else, yep, yeah, no, that's exactly the mental image I've always had. So yeah. I'm glad that we're on the same page. For does once. corpse wear clothing? Because mm. when you're when you're dead, does it matter anymore? I imagine it would probably be like some kind of tunic of some sort. Yeah, like I don't think he's covering like, like up a, his his nipples. Like a decency tunic. Yeah, like just covering up the twig and berries, you know, the franks and beans. Oh, I see, like a loincloth. Yeah, like do you know? Um, yeah, but just like a half. Those one, are, just... well, I mean, those are probably like been like devoured or because it's like the soft tissue that goes well, first. In my mind, I can't. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. He can still see if, yeah. to watch these movies unless well, he's he, like it's like kind of like in D and D where in the undead. Well, you know, see, like your eyeballs are the first to go, right? So, like when you yeah. see like skeletons and stuff like that. They shouldn't yeah. be able to see, so how do they tell? Like this is a D and D question. You check it out yeah. on Reddit. It's like how 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 does the dead see without eyes? What what and what are they seeing? And so it's like how can you sneak past a skeleton? Can, what about a third can, eye? Can one successfully make a stealth roll past and or do they see your life essence? In which case, then you can't blind them. For instance, does the skeleton potentially have? Um... Is he wearing pants? Ah, uh, some, sometimes they have like whatever they armor or whatever. 
Like, because I imagine corpse you, started with pants usually and they're, they were eventually well, you, see, withered you, away. Usually they're enslaved to a necromancer, so it's it'd be the necromancer's preference. Like, like a Glenn Danzig. Do you think he would be a necromancer? He is a necromancer. Oh, so I'm absolutely. not sure. So I'm not. I'm not sure if like corpses like results in some sort of curse, um, or if he was raised. Intense, okay. and he's been enslaved to have to watch the movies that he watches and claim that he enjoys them the way he does. I don't know. Okay. He might Do you not, think he we'll may, ever get answers? Not, I don't know. Okay. I mean, well. maybe when he's like, after he's, you know, driving truck, the corpse driving truck man that corpse is, um, mm-hmm. he can raise enough money to maybe be a guest on this show one of these days. One day? One day. Well, we don't want to play that card too soon, you know? No. Oh, I mean, also, I don't know if, if things are open to the dead. I don't want to necessarily know what the dead have seen or know. What do you think? What do you think it, like, the dead's favorite movie would be? Hmm. I'm going to have to mull that one over. Yeah, that's a big question. What do we got for uh, the emails? We got Jared Berger. I'm back, baby. Holy cow. He's back. What's he into? Hey, creeps. Just wanted to quickly update you guys. After Mm -hmm. a successful kick heap to over. Uh, uh uh Creeped over. And a hellish final season. I fell behind on the podcast. But now I'm back. As some of you saw my letterbox, I was contact traced. And now I'm in quarantine for a while waiting for test results. I was sick last night, but I'm already better, which leads me to believe it could have been something else. I'm sending this email on Thursday, so you guys will probably hear my update in the next few minutes. Oh, whoa. Is he, did, has he followed up? One question. Are It's a Wonderful Life and Fanny and Alexander the most Christmassy Criterion films on the pod so far? Are there any others to your knowledge in the catalog? I don't want to sound like the Criterion subreddit, but which Christmassy movies would you add to the catalog? Hope everyone's <laughs> holidays are treating them well. Jared Berger, real guy. And it was uh, today we got an update. I did not have COVID. I probably had the flu. Oh, well, that's good to hear. I mean, so no he, one he did, he un- wants so he, the COVID. Unfortunately, question mark, did not join the COVID creeps club with Sam, number two. Oh, I think there's other members to that club, too. Maybe they're just not ready yet. You know? Maybe they're just not ready. Maybe they're just not ready, but sending our support out to those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe those are the only Christmas ones we've gotten so far. But I know, like, Metropolitan is a, quote, Christmas movie. You're correct. That's way way down the line right or maybe not that far but that's hasn't come up yet um there used to be a whole category of christmas movies on the criterion website that you could like simp your way through on your own um well what about like you probably know a few more offhand no uh yeah what about batman returns well i only know the ones that i've seen Brazil, allegedly. Yeah, Brazil has well, some Christmas uh, stuff. The, the apartment. The apartment? That's not a criterion. That's not a criterion yet, but it should be. Not yet. It should be. It should I be. Agree. Uh, I, I think, agree. I think it's about time. It's wonderful. I've actually joined the criterion proper. Yeah, I agree on that Rather one, Rather than just uh, languishing uh, in the Laserdisc format. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manchurian Candidate, I think, takes place somewhat at Christmas. Blast, okay. bl- uh, actually, Blast of Silence, the film noir movie. Yeah. Blast of Silence? Blast of Silence, yep. That sounds like uh, something that would happen on the toilet. You know what I mean? Vern? Oh. 
All That Heaven Allows. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we saw that. Remember that? No, we haven't watched that. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, and uh, yeah, All That Heaven Allows and the other one too, right? Because it was a doubleheader, The Rock Hudson. Yeah. Or was the yes. the other one wasn't Christmas. Right. It was just, it was fall, maybe. Yes. Uh, Downhill Racer, I think, happens during Christmas. The racing movie with... Uh, Robert Warren Beatty. What about Michael? What G? about Boxcar Racer? Robert the, Redford uh, and Gene Hackman. The Hackman and Last Picture Show. Oh, that's a. Uh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about Mon Boxcar Racer? Mononcle Antoine, the Canadian classic. I did that join the Criterion? Yes, it did. It's in the Criterion. So yeah, Mononcle Antoine. Mononcle Antoine. Emma Cord, I think, takes place over Christmas at one point. I'm just looking at a big list. Female Trouble. I know about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, RJ. Yeah. Life of, Life of Brian starts at Christmas. Because it's his, Christ's his, birth. His birthday. That's right. Gotcha. Technicality. Uh-huh. Uh, Annie Hall should be in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, that movie is. Good. Oh, Brazil. I said Brazil. Oh, like yeah. An did an hour ago. I don't listen to you. I did say Brazil. It was, rewind the track. Play, play it hey, back. Hey, maybe it's Brazil. <laughs> See? In, irrefutable evidence. Well, RJ, do you think Edward Scissorhands should be in the Criterion Collection? I genuinely do. And I'll tell you about it later. But I think that's a good show. Man Bites Dog. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Well, it's Full Metal Jacket? In, in the, cri- in, in, in the cri- It's in the Criterion Collection, though. Man Bites Dog, RJ. Eyes Wide Shut isn't? And, and Kronos. Eyes Wide Shut is not. The uh, Guillermo film Kronos? Yes. Christmas. Is, but this is what I want to know. When is Mimic going to be added to the Criterion this a, Collection? This is, this is a, I'm not sure. This is all Christmas movies, allegedly. Bottle Rocket? Yeah. No. Royal Tenenbaums? No. I, I feel like that's a very Christmassy movie. Tenenbaums? Yeah. I mean, it's got the feel, but I don't think it takes place at Christmas. I think there's a moment... Well, we'll have to rewatch it, I guess. What about a Medea Christmas? Wildcat. You know what I just realized? You know all those Medea movies? Yeah. And they all start with a Medea. Al- Alex, do you think it, Alex Perry, future yeah, director of a movie coming up? In the in the. Uh... No. Well. Oh. In in the the real that the R. J. Baylog collection. Gotcha. Do you think he was like doing an Amadeus thing, like Amadea? Think he's a big Amadeus fan? I don't know. I th- I'm gonna go with it. Okay. If anyone asks, that's what happened. Night of the Hunter is that a Christmas film? Mm-hmm. It's on this Christmas list, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Oh. What did you say, Alex Perry or Tyler Perry? You said Alex Perry. I said nothing. Oh, okay. I'm not a pleb. I don't say things without knowing exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about Reindeer Games? That, if that should be in the Criterion Collection? Yeah. I feel like we are a subreddit sometimes. I mean, that's all we have been for, for since the start. For a very long Trading time. Trading Places, that could be a Criterion film. No. Nope. Uh, you you're, you're ready for another email? Okay, sure. Sure. Jerry Berger, I'm glad you only had the flu. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, that's good, I guess. Fun fact, uh, RJ. Did you know mm-hmm. that uh, as, as many people have died of COVID this year as have died of flu in the last 10 years in our fine province? Dude, it's just the flu. It's Hob- the flu. Hobby what? Jobby. Oh, he's the back. New, the You're, new guy. They. The, him, her. They. They. Hobby they, are, they are back. Hobby Jobby. Okay. Come on, guys. All right. Come on. Hello, is, dudes. Is that him? Or, oh, okay. or is that them? I've been bouncing around your backlog randomly. I'll, oh. I'm emailing some corrections for you to use when you go back and edit old episodes. You're welcome. Okay. A, yellow is operations, not security. Re- what, what does operations fall under? Because then, so what is it makes, it makes, it, Operations. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah. what is it? What falls under the operations banner? That's what I'm curious. Well, that's about. why like operations, I guess, would be like it'd be under security and engineering and data. Oh, so everything that's not command and science, I guess, is operations almost. Right, which is and, seems arbitrary. Well, I mean, it's all it's all made up, Jared. It's not real, but yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. Good to know. That's what they want you to. Think. B, Tim mm-hmm. Drum is great. Well, I don't know. <laughs> C, Beef Dip is a hilarious name for French dip. I guess that one's not a correction. <laughs> no, that's what we call it here. It's Beef Dip. It's like uh, that Tom Segura joke where there's a strip club and he went to a strip club and it's just called Beef. It's a Beef Dip. <laughs> to the po- Straight to the point. Don't mince words. Don't call it French dip. It's beef dip. You dip your beef. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that a, a, a an associate of mine who's gay, he went on some like crazy trip to Mexico, like some sort of okay. like it was like it was like a gay cruise thing, and there was like a thing, an event called the beef dip. What happened at the beef dip on this gay <laughs> uh, cruise? I, uh, there, it involved a pool. I don't it know. Involved if, a pool. I, the pool. I don't know. He didn't go into too many details, but he mentioned that. And I was like, I thought it was funny because I went, oh, beef dip, like the sandwich. But it's a different kind of beef. What kind of beef was it? D. Have you ever seen seen that gay cruise show with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.? No. Do you remember that? Nope. Okay, I'll find it. Okay, do do it up. D. Adrian Barbeau is perfection incarnate. Please Google her nudes. Woo! Okay, I'll leave you. You do it, and you send me any good ones, okay, Derek? You know, I for the sake of the podcast, I did yeah. a little. I did a little bit of research on this one. Wow! I I I continue to be unimpressed. Is that okay. I, can't, I can't get past that hair. Okay, can I? I I have no comment on that, uh, but. It, let me just tell you about Boat Trip from 2002, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Directed by Mort Nathan, an entirely real person who... Mort? Mort. Morty Artie? Mort Nathan. Here's the tagline. Once you're on, you'll want to get off. And here's the description. Oh, man. <laughs> here's, the, here's the one-line description of a movie starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and Horatio Sands. Uh, two straight men mistakenly end up on a gays only cruise end of description <laughs> wow so <laughs> huh so do you think there was any beef dipping in this one probably 
I, I mean, I say, do you think I have seen this film oh, more than yeah. once? I just, uh, I don't you, remember. Did, wow. Uh, did, did you uh, have, was there a lot of gay panic? Uh, well, it's more like the joke is that they're, pre- they pretend to be gay and then the women like, uh, become more comfortable with them, but then they're like, Oh no, we like you. And then they have to like out themselves as not being gay. But then the women feel like misled, you know, they're like, we trusted you. It's one of those things. Hmm. It happens, yeah. I guess. And you've seen this, uh, yeah. and you've seen this more than once. Yes, 100%. in fact, you've seen it once, and then you've seen it again. <laughs> I saw, I've seen it probably two or three times. So let me tell you about this guy named Hitch, Jared. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned Hitch before on this is, show. Is it pronounced Hitch or Hitch? Hitch, like uh, it's like Hitch, like the uh, Will Smith movie. So Hitch was a guy who grew up in our neighborhood, and he wore a lot of like uh, track suits, like matching like like FUBU <laughs> or like orange track suits. Hitch is a great guy. I love Hitch. Uh, we always hung out at his house, and he would show us movies. And uh, he would have movies that he really liked, like Boat Trip. And so he would play this movie at any opportunity possible. So, like, say we were hanging out and, like, we weren't even watching the TV. Hitch would just put on Boat Trip in the background. So, yes, I've seen Boat Trip several times. Hmm. There's some other uh, other Hitch films. I think I should maybe create a, a list. Yeah. There's some there's some good ones in there. Tracksuit tra- guy. Yeah, tracks hitch. Now, were you minors at this time? Yeah, but he was also a minor. Okay. He was the same okay. age as us. Okay, good. Yeah, so it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't okay. a weird situation. No, it wasn't yeah. that. It wasn't super weird. It wasn't weird for us. Un- okay, yeah, if that's that how, that's how that's how it starts. Okay. You you've been a hundred percent right about everything else so far, but I'm still surfing your older stuff. I'll be sure to update mm-hmm. you as I go. I'm glad I could help. Keep up the good work. Save those four things. Love, yours in Christ, Hobby Jobby. <laughs> P.S. My name is Tetis Duras on Letterboxd. They won't let me change it. Oh, interesting. Tetis Duras? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciated his send-off there. That was nice. Um, or th- that... I appreciate their send-off. Gotta, gotta remember. Huh. Uh, have you, have I don't you, know. Have, if you, I... have you done a Google search for Tetis Duras, RJ? No, I don't even know how to spell it. Okay. Am I supposed to Google? Yeah, this? You're you're good. Is this is this like a cruise ship thing? It's going to take. It, me it to? could be. I don't know. Um, I, okay. well, I, I well, I do know that um, Pornhub has been having some issues. What kind? Um, the kind where financial institutes decide that they're not going to let people pay through them to pay you anymore and thus you mm. must react dramatically to save your business well all i can say is people can uh, follow the links in our episode to our only fans uh and uh just i mean consider donating do we post to it you'll have to you'll have to sign up to find out well maybe justin peterson will be interested in that um in the only chances we who knows with, with an email entitled quickie for my favorite creeps hey jared oh, and rj what's happening short uh-huh. email this week looking forward to hearing you guys chat about faniel and alexander coming up especially that very risky part one that i checked out last night mm. goat movie question of the week i watched elf again this week and i don't get what people like so much about it so what are your favorite will ferrell movies he is very hit or miss with me. I liked his debut in A Night at the Roxbury, Blades of Glory, and I appear to be one of the few people that liked that Eurovision Song Contest movie. 
Thanks for the time. Have a great show. Skull. Yeah, I've never seen that Eurovision thing, but uh, I got to say, as time went on, Will, Will Ferrell really, like, uh, his his appeal really wavered. You know what I mean? It waned. It really waned. I mean, Step Brothers is an all-time banger. I think you and me can both agree on that. We, uh, Step Brothers is pretty funny. Uh, uh, the Other Guys is a surprisingly, like, decent one of his films. I'd say out of the newer stuff, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't look good. It's actually not bad. Uh, it's Anchorman okay. was. Oh, have you seen the other guys? I have. I watched oh. it. It was like over Christmas break, like probably eight years ago or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, when I watched that, I was like, this is way better than I thought it would be because I had Will Ferrell fatigue at the time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause I think during that, like, Wedding Crashers, Blades of Glory uh, age. I think that's when Will Ferrell really kind of lost me. When Vince Vaughn was really coming up, that's <laughs> oh, where I that's oh. where I really kind of tapped out. The, 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 all the like the giant guys. Yeah, and that, like I don't even dislike Vince well, Vaughn either, but that whole realm of movies, it's like, uh, no. yeah, like I don't know the last time you watched Wedding Crashers, but uh, that I don't, I do not think that movie holds up. It's one oh, of those at I, the time. It was okay. I never, I never wanted to watch it. Yeah, I I, w- I wouldn't. Uh, the internship is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I think most people will agree with you on that. Yeah, uh, old school, pretty good. Um, Daddy's Home, not great. Uh, Daddy's Home Two, Mel Gibson. Uh, the House, also a an extremely bad movie. Uh, Land of the Lost, very bad. Um, Semi Pro, okay, not how, great. How, how many Will Ferrells have you seen? I have seen 33. God damn it. I've watched How many have you seen? 16. You pathetic and, and, and two of those include, or like The Landlord and oh, yeah, that's and, and, that de- and that Death Artist remake that I barely watched. Okay, so I got... Oh, Lego man. Movies. Wow. I can't, believe, I can't believe how lowly, uh, how low ranked, uh, not even low ranked, but like how far down the list Melinda and Melinda is, that Woody Allen movie with him. That one's low. Night at the Roxbury is super low as well, actually. Superstar, that's like one of his first movies. That's really low. He's Melinda in, Melinda. Where is he in Kingpin? Holy shit. I have breaking news, Jarrett. Do you know what movie Will Ferrell was in? Boat Trip. Wow. 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 And actually, I just found a movie on here that I didn't have logged for some reason. The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard. So I have seen 34 Will Ferrell movies. Very nice. Uh, what else do we got in here? Boat Trip, of course. The Ladies' Man, all-time classic, uh, as you now, know. Now, did you say Anchorman off the kick? Uh, I think so. I like. I mean, I think that's one of those ones at the time. Yeah, Anchorman was great, but I think how it's uh, – permeated into everyday life is probably not great you know yeah the brick jokes just all of it i mean i'll always be down for panther sweat but yep and that's what i mean at the time it's great stuff i still i still uh hear those jokes all the time though so that's you can take that either way uh what else we got Jared? well zoolander i know you're a big zoolander guy Elf. Where do you sit on Elf? You've probably never seen that movie. Yeah, yet. no, I, I just I just watched it. Like oh, like last year, right? Yeah, for a year or two. Yeah, I think it was last year, and uh, it was like I don't know, it was this Christmas movie? Like one of those yep. ones that you, I would never watch. Yeah, but you're a bad guy. Ever. 
Oh, the campaign. That's a not a very not good movie. I'd say my average for Will Ferrell movies is probably one and a half to two stars. <laughs> it's probably a lot of, for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of shit in here. Oh, oh my God! Look at this. Another film I didn't have logged. Bewitched. I've seen that. I'm now up to 35 Will Ferrell movies. Goddamn, R.J. Baylog. That one's not good either. Not wow. good either. Wow. Huge. Wow. Yeah. So I don't. Uh, I don't even know what else to say. Oh, man. We've got two emails from Sam's. Mm. Sam number one, Sam number two? First up, Sam number two. Oh, the bad Sam. Okay. With an email entitled Vinegar. Oh. Hey, guys. Haven't wrote in a couple weeks and actually for the first time in a while. I'm actually a week behind currently, completely <gasps> taking up the mantle of Sam number two. See, he yeah, owns, he owns it. it. He owns it. He owns yeah, it. he owns it. Um, just writing in since two weeks back, Jared mentioned his vinegar syndrome order. I'm still waiting for mine to ship. Me too. Totally. <laughs> or total, I placed like three orders for a total of like 11 movies, I believe, plus the new standalone slipcovers. Yep. I'm in too deep with vinegar syndrome. Oh, man. Those slips. Ordered all mm-hmm. the newly announced stuff like Beastmaster, that Gialli box set, Fade to Black, etc., and tossing a few older releases like The Bees, Doll Squad, slash Mission Kill Fast, Corruption, and Malibu High. Oh, Sam, you're going to have a good time with that corruption. Is that good stuff? A little, little bit of hardcore pornography, RJ. But very, wait, art, wait, wait. very classy, very artfully shot. Are you describing it as hardcore? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't want to know what that sounds like. Exactly, not this RJ hardcore. It's like hardcore that, for those, me. that boy and girl looked at each other. This is getting pretty soft for me. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know my stance. Uh, people should never be nude. Sex is not part of anything, and uh, everyone should just go about their days. Honestly, I think I'm actually pretty close to having nearly all of the non-Jarrett type movies they offer outside of a few here and there and some OOP stuff. You know what OOP stands for, RJ? Uh, You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. That that stuff? Yeah, exactly. OOP. Now, if only half weren't crap. (laughs) It's like like the Criterion Collection. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's probably more than half. Last, no. just wanted to say I enjoy hearing Aaron for the Fat Girl episode and call to hear some new bloody blood writing in. Is R- yeah. Is RJ's previous offer of reading the emails if you receive 10-plus emails a one-time thing or an ongoing perk? If that's the case, as your numbers continue to skyrocket like this, we might get here, RJ, read these more regularly. Hell, yeah, that's a standing thing. Yeah, that's standing. Uh, yeah, we j- we've never gotten 10 again, so we've never well, had to do it again. We've gotten damn close. We gotten, I thought we had nine like a month or two ago, right? But yeah. uh, nine's not 10. So far, I mean, there's a real shortage of food talk, though. So, uh, Well, we already we kind of peaked at soup, I think. See, We're not going to get any even, more. Even Sam number two here says, all right, guys, take care and keep up the food talk, even though I never participate. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe he should. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't. Do whatever you want, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And finally, Are we about? yeah. Sam number one. Ooh, slam love machine. Is Under, that who we're talking about com- here? Coming in yet again mm-hmm. with an email entitled "Late Again." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. Hey, creeps! Another one just under the wire. Hopefully, I've decided to take it a little slower with the horror movies. 
Since holiday mm. break is one of the few times I have to watch movies, I've decided to just watch one or two horror movies a day and then spend the rest of the time working through my watch list and catching up on movies I've been wanting to see for a while. Question. What are some director's cuts that are worse than the theatrical version? Or some extended cuts that are worse. Common sense is to always watch the longer version of something if it's out there or the director's cut. But I wonder if you have any examples, hot takes preferred, that run counter to that. I just watched Dawn of the Dead for the first time and I ended up watching some super extended fan edit that combines all three, the Argento cut, the Romero theatrical cut, and the Romero extended cons cut. I was a little disappointed, but then realized I'd probably watched an inferior version of the film. Anyways... Hope mm. this makes it in. Hanukkah sandwich. I'm uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Hanukkah sandwich. I don't ha- know. Hanukkah slamwich. Hanukkah. Sam Hanukkah slam love machine Loveland. Uh, man, it's good to hear from both Sams, uh, proto Sam and beta Sam. You know, Whoa. well, no, not beta. That's a cuck thing. Proto, uh, whatever. Sam one and two. We'll, we'll this, go that. This is Reddit, RJ. Yeah, I'm aware. Uh, one director's cut that's better is BVS, but we all know that. Uh, Shit. You know, so it's like I said last week. Well, I, I remember think like, Mar- it seemed like, yeah, this sometimes like, I know definitely we've talked about this on the podcast before. We have. I know yeah. uh, Oliver Granger is, I think, anti-director's cut? Or he's he was he brought uh, it. He, I think he, he's not anti, but he definitely. Um, he watches the theatrical first. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. He's like he doesn't he he doesn't just rip on the director's cut first. I think. Well, I do know that a recently disgraced podcaster of film uh, was oh. very much about theatrical cuts over director's yeah. cuts. Yeah, but is see, that the guy? See that see that word that landed him. Was that the guy who said we should just appreciate what we have? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just appreciate mediocrity. Like, get that. <laughs> just be happy you have stuff. And then he goes on to have horrible sex scandals, allegedly. So allegedly. it's, uh, you know, same ballpark. Uh, well, yeah, we have talked about it before. And, like, I, it's hard to think of things off my head. But, like, my go-to, I guess, would be those Lord of the Rings. I think the theatrical cuts are better. But that's just me. It's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's a... As a young man uh, coming up through the era of like the DVD and like everything was always like the director's cut. You have to go with the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. I'm up. I, I, what's a better or good one? Hmm. Actually, oh, Payback? oh, oh, fuck. Okay, I don't even know if this counts as a director's cut. What, what about extended cuts? Because mm, oh, yeah. the Dumb and Dumber extended cut. Oh yeah, that. Or the like something about Mary extended cut. Yeah, those, yeah that's another bad those one. Those suck. Like I think part of it is when you become attached to seeing a version of your movie, and then suddenly they present to you a new opportunity to, yep. to watch it a different way. Oh, um, my go-to would probably be Exorcist. I would watch the theatrical over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. I, yeah, I don't want I don't want the additional effects stuff put in. Because I think that's I think that's the director's cut, or I get conf- I get confused about what versions there are. But yeah. yeah, I think I would just go with the director's cut or the theatrical cut of Exorcist. And yep. yeah, unfortunately, I think like Dumb and Dumber, uh, you can only watch like DVD. You have to go back to your old DVD to watch the original version of it because otherwise it's ruined. And I've heard they've done that with a bunch of other movies too, where like the only way to oh the Warriors. There's oh, yeah. one. Fuck. Goddamn Warriors, the, the, <laughs> when Walter Hill went back and put an animated, like, intro oh, shit. The get fucked. fucking terrible. So bad. 
And yeah, you have to like track, get to watch the old Paramount DVD without that to get it clean. Mm-hmm. Well, so I actually, honestly, I, I do think I went lean towards the theatrical cuts. That'll be the new feature they have. It's like with the original theatrical cut. That's what people are clamoring for. Cause like those fairly brother ones, um, when I watched rewatch something about Mary, like last year or this year, even, uh, I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, all this extra stuff sucks. Cause it throws the, the pacing off. Like, uh, cause you're so accustomed to it. And like, that's what I didn't like about Lord of the Rings. Like, I think they cut out the right stuff and it's like, no, it flows so much better when you have this, like it goes like bam, bam, bam. But now it's like bam. And then bam. And just like meandering. You're like, get out of here. Get out of here with that shit. Yeah. I think director's cut stuff with comedies. I pretty well guarantee to be garbage comedies. Yeah. No, but there's good director's cuts like BVS. That's a good one. And then there's um, whatever you want to call the Star Wars special editions. Oh yeah, I mean I have no opinion of that. I know people get really angry, but I I don't I don't give a shit. Whatever. Oh, I mean I think the only reason I get mad, about, I, I the only reason I would get mad about it, and I mean I care less than I've ever cared in my whole life. I yeah. would I would just like the original version cleaned up, and so I can just watch yep. it that way. So I just g- g- give me the choice. Don't the choice. take don't take away the ability to watch it like legally like people would be yep. willing to pay the money and lucas doesn't own this stuff anymore and just like he wanted to like fiddle with like the library of congress version and stuff like that like, i know it's just crazy to me well and that's why that's why i don't like that uh blu-ray said i have of lord of the rings because it only has the extended cuts and i was like what is this horse shit i was like i didn't know that uh, but, yeah that one doesn't drive me too crazy but well, you're not uh, a simp like me mm-hmm but yeah, I don't know. Whatever. 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 Remember when uh, Steven Spielberg took the, the the guns, the shotguns out, and put in walkie talkies on ET? Uh, Remember that? Oh, did he seriously? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. It's way better with the shotguns. Yeah. That fits the tone of that movie way more too. That movie's fucked up, man. ET e- will get you. Et. Et. <laughs> et. Yeah, that movie will get you good, dude. <laughs> I love that et. Et. Uh, uh, are we still talking? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I think, oh, we, I think okay. we've answered that question, though. Sure. Probably. Keep on keeping on, creeps villains. Oh, thank you. Is that it for emails? That's it for emails. Well, thanks to all the people who emailed in, and for all you people who didn't, go fuck yourself. How about that, Jared? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's pretty harsh. Well, dear, they're not here to defend dear, themselves. Dear listeners. Hey, RJ, what you been creeping on this week? Holy shit. I actually ended up watching a ton of stuff this week. I didn't mean to. It just happened. Accidentally, yeah. huh? I accidentally. Well, so Friday, I was pretty worn out, so I didn't really want to. I did a ton of shit. Like, I was busy all week, and then I just sat down. And I was like, I don't want to do anything tonight. Uh, and it just so happened there was a Joe Bob on. So I was like, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to watch some Joe Bob. <laughs> so I watched a little Joe Bob. Uh, I sent I you a picture of a, a face mask he had that was pretty cool. You did see that. Uh, so I won't talk about it too much, but I watched uh, Dial Code Santa Claus. Oh, and, man. And Christmas Evil. So I know you've told me you're like, Dial Code Santa Claus has some not great RJ stuff. Yep. And I agree. Uh, and I think what the most troubling about it is that 
not even the scene where the dog dies, but in the scene later when he's burying the dog and you're just like, oh my God. But when he's carrying the dog, its tongue is sticking out and you're like, wait a minute. Alive dogs don't do that. Is that a real dead dog? And like that really threw me off. But at the, I did watch all the credits because like when you're Joe Bobbin, they show you the credits before they move on. And there was some kind of like Swedish or whatever country this place is from. Uh, I believe it, there it was is a uh, Belgian. Belgian. There was an animal and like something like violence tag in there. I didn't know the language, but it looked like it was implying no animals are hurt. But that doesn't mean they can't outsource dead ones already, you know which I think is a loophole potentially. Uh, but dial code Santa Claus is a pretty good show, Jer. And I think I, you, I'm, a, I, I'm I know aware. You said that. Yeah. It's like that kid rules so mm-hmm. hard. He's wicked. His like little mullet. And that's like, so yeah. the Joe Bob was really good for this. Cause he talks about like the kid is the director's kid. And then uh, he highlights a point mm. that I think is really good actually, where he's just like, cause he talks about the home alone stuff, but he's like, he's like, well, this came out first. He's like, so, you know, there uh and he's like and uh what's his nuts was probably at cons when this debuted there so he's like there's another thing but he's like you know what makes this better than home alone he's like because the kid is a kid like he still gets scared yep. he still gets put into situations where he like doesn't know what to do and it's like and he's just like that's real life like he tries to fight the bad guy with a toy at one point and he's like it wouldn't work he's like but that's how kids think so uh i really liked that i was like man this movie is like really it, it does show him as a kid really well, really well, Jared. Yeah, I've I've read some people have some problems with the the weird tone changes in the movie, but like to me, like this reminds me so much of of a Category Three Hong Kong movie, and where it also has these like kind of various tones, where it's kind of like kind of goofy comedy to like <laughs> hardcore violence to oh, yeah. and like or to and to like cool ass silly action scenes. Yeah, you're just like in like impossible spaces. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how does this house exist? But yeah, and I really like that too. Yeah. Actually, like I liked how the set, like the save his grandpa the house map doesn't make any sense. The grand the grandpa in there, like, because there's real stakes too. He's trying to save his grandpa mm-hmm. because he can't just run away. Uh, Andrea watched this with me, and she actually liked it too, uh, which was which was nice. Like, um. And like, I mean, she'll, she'll give all these movies a chance. Sometimes she taps out, but, uh, she did like this one. Uh, so the house thing is cool. The tone never threw me off. I actually liked it because you do have like, that's what life is like. Sometimes you have really happy days and sometimes the day takes a shit on you. You know, I was like, this movie's got it all, man. Uh, you got the dangers of the internet with, uh, potential pedophiles. Um, but I, I do think it doesn't go that way. Right. Cause you think that that's what might happen, but it's just some dude who's like, just wants to be a kid he just doesn't know how to like how to do that so he hurts people well, that's kind of how yeah. i got it because he has an opportunity like he get he gets the kid and then he's like okay now i'm gonna go hide you be it and the kid's like what the fuck oh speaking of mall santas oh yeah did you hear the story about the mall santa who lost his job because like like, like like here or not, in the not world? in the world in America okay. in America because a little kid he said I want a gun I want a gun for Christmas Mall Santa kind of said no you're not going to get a gun from me <laughs> you're going to have to get that from your dad and this child cried and he was fired this child cried 
and this became a thing. And the NRA stepped in, and they're like, well, little boy, this this anti-gun mall Santa won't be bothering <sighs> you anymore, and so you can have all, at this moment, the Nerf guns you would ever ask for. Hey, I am fully supporting Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. Nerf guns yes. fucking rule. Yes, it's, it's a good... Uh... It's a good uh, gateway drug. <laughs> well, maybe maybe the NRA should convert to just the Nerf, Nerf the Rifle Nerf, the, Association. Nerf Rifles. Hey, I mean, they want to save their image. I mean, that's what this was all about. But at the same time, like, wait a minute. This fucking guy lost his shitty mall Santa job because yeah, of this that fucking sucks. little piece of shit asshole kid. Like, yeah. who wants a fucking gun? <laughs> like, God damn it. Yeah. God damn it. That sucks big time. The other, uh, the, the other, yeah, and I think like when I read the article, there was a point where I read the word conservative, and my mind went sensitive, and I don't, I don't know what that's about, but you know, hmm. sensitive opinionators. Uh, very oh, upset. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like dial code Santa Claus because he's a mall can Santa. But, he slaps a kid, but insane. Yeah, he slaps a kid at one point because kid says, "I don't like your face," so he. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that movie that movie rules. Good. Uh, and then the follow-up was Christmas Evil, which is another good show. Mm-hmm. Good show. It looks great. Uh, apparently, this movie, it had a four, $400,000 budget, and it cost $850,000 uh, because they flew in some fancy cinematographer from Europe, and then they had to, like, I can't remember what it was. There was something in the shooting where they had to, like, do things over and over again. So uh, it went twice over budget. So that's why this dude didn't really make a whole lot of movies after Christmas okay. Evil. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's just part of the fun of Joe Bob, man. You, you get all these tidbits. And RJ, both movies are available from Vinegar Syndrome. Really? Nope. Well, they're, uh, I watched them on the shutter, and that was pretty good for me. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh, and then I watched Edward Scissorhands. And I'm not going to talk about it too much. But I think I think I meant, watched it a couple of years ago, and I was like, you know, I didn't give this movie enough credit because the Tim Burton fatigue, just like mm-hmm. the Will Ferrell fatigue, I was like, Tim Burton fatigue kind of ruined his movies for me. And then when I watched Edward Scissorhands again, I was like, this actually is a great movie. There's a reason Tim Burton became popular. I yeah, think. early Tim Burton is really good, but I, really, good. and I can't say that for sure because you know I haven't seen. I've only seen Edward Scissorhands once and i was a kid i've never Mm. gone back to it because i had a weird memory of it where i'm like i don't know if i really like this movie as much as i want to but i haven't the same with me and so like i've legit probably not seen it in 30 years so So that's that's exactly what happened to me a couple years ago and then i gave it another shot because i was i was at the point where i was like tim burton i don't like as much anymore because there's the tim burton vibe that everyone goes for and i was like yeah and then edward scissorhands kind of scared me as a kid so That was another reason I didn't want to watch it. But uh, when I watched it again, I was just like, holy fuck. I was like, this movie's checking all my boxes. So uh, I, all I'm saying is I think you should definitely give it a rewatch one, mm-hmm. one year. It's worth it. So very good stuff. Okay. Very good. It's just about goths, uh, goths versus Christians, which I know you're a big fan of. It's, a, it's, the, it's the oldest story there is. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I watched a movie called Deck the Halls. Starring Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick. <laughs> so you know what? So you know what happens in this movie, Jerry? Matthew Broderick, uh, he operates a vehicle that uh, potentially is going <laughs> to run over some people at yeah. one point. Uh, that's part of the plot points. And then 
another major plot point is he literally tries to kill Danny DeVito in this movie. He shoots fireworks at his house with the goal to set the house on fire and to kill Danny DeVito. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Interesting. This movie is a huge piece of shit. It's not even like, because there's some Christmas movies, like say, say Eight Crazy Nights. When I watched that, I was like, you know, some of it's a little dated, but I think this movie's got charm and it's got the right heart. You know, they're actually trying to make a good Christmas movie. Deck the Halls, it's just some of the laziest shit. And it's like, a lot of it doesn't even make sense. It's like, what? It's like, why is that happening? That's It doesn't make any sense. That's not how people, it's not how the world works. So this movie is a tremendous piece of shit, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. I can't recommend it at all. <laughs> well, damn. Shit. There, there so, goes there goes Christmas night plans. I mean, I don't even like. There's things I could talk about. Like, so one scene, Danny DeVito gives Matthew Broderick a new car because he's a car salesman, and then uh, and then the company calls Matthew Broderick. It's like, hey, you owe us for that car. And then Matthew Broderick's like, wait a minute, it was a gift. And Danny DeVito's like, I signed your name. You own it now. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not what. You're like, what are you what? Just stuff like that. You're just like, that's dumb. That can't happen. If it does happen, that would be dumb in real life. Mm-hmm. And then Matthew Broderick, you know what he did. So uh, there's that. There. But hey, do you want to hear about DS9? Fuck yeah. All right. So I don't know if you wanted to hear about any of those movies in more detail. But uh, no. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Beautiful. episodes of ds9 beautiful which i know you're a big fan of uh so 4.06 uh Ferengis, like magic two out of four stars actually this is almost i don't know this one was hard to classify i gave it a two out of four so it's a 4.6 is this the episode entitled rejoined this is rejoined it's a dax episode yep so what do you what do you know about rejoined so Jared? my notes rj are this no Oh, the lesbian episode. Yep. Uh, and another Dax episode. Sigh. Yeah. These always kill my interest in DS9 for a few days. So that's where I was at with this, because I think Dax is a character. Like, I honestly, I feel like they didn't know what to do with her, because like her ca- character was really inconsistent. And I know the idea is that like the, like the Dax lived different lives so her character has layers but i feel like they only do like that onion? when it's like an onion but they only actually do it when it's convenient to the story you know so they like <laughs> they um it's like her past host's uh wife so they still have a connection to it and it's like that's fine but all this dax stuff like in another episode she was also like a klingon fighter or something and you're like you're like all these things they don't really they don't make sense together. And that's what I mean. I know that it's supposed to be this changing character all the time, but then it's like, but then they do stuff in the past. It's like, so is it the past character? It's very like all over the place. It's not confusing. I just feel like they tried to do too much with, with Dax, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a scene in the opening where she shows, uh, um, Quark, a magic trick and the Ferengis love magic. They're <laughs> amazed by it. And I thought that was really fun. Hmm. Yeah, so I gave it a two, but it's a low two, if yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because some twos I actually don't mind. But... I just remember, like, the marketing of this episode at the time, though, was like, oh, 
There's going to be some girl-on-girl action on fucking oh, network television. I mean, I think it's it's Gra- gross that they would grab, promote it. In grab a the sense. It's lotion like, and Kleenex boys and, and this girls. Show's so, this show's so sexy, you'll shit your pants. That yeah, kind well, of stuff. I mean, there there is like a homoeroticism to the Star Trek slash community. I mean, obviously. They're always... There always has been. That's the thing. Like, yeah. Riker is the horniest guy in the world. There's that whole episode about where he's fighting for androgynous rights because they don't have gender or sexes. And he's like, they should be whatever the fuck they want to be. If I want to have sex with it, I'm going to have sex with it. <laughs> that's, like, his point. So that, like, that, that's that's actually, the I feel like, the point of like many of our home politicians. I Yeah, kind of. Kind of, but Riker is at least open and upfront about it. He, uh, he, he's just very matter of fact. He says, "I'll have sex with anything I want. Shouldn't matter." So T, uh, TNG, Riker was the champion of sexuality there. So he's kind of like Frank Booth. A little bit. A he'll, little. He doesn't call himself Daddy at all. He'll fuck anything that moves. Or baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even uh, original series had like androgynous and like like. Uh, uh, bisexual characters too so it's like this is nothing new so that's what I mean like if they were like upselling it like that it's like that seems a little cheap but, uh, <laughs> like large what? like large fries <laughs> do you want to supersize your sexuality tonight yeah. that kind of stuff they're hot they're all hot tonight boys everyone likes Dax it was, hey, it was the 90s I know I'm well, aware tune in uh Tune in next time. Because we'll be like all like oogling that, but then when it's like, oh, Miles and Bashir, oh. And see, like, the problem with that is Miles and Bashir have no chemistry. They keep trying to make that relationship work, but it's like <laughs> these people don't work well together. So it's like their friendship isn't even believable. Yeah. Their sexuality is even less believable. Uh, for you. Anyways, for me. Uh, yeah, for me. Uh, you gotta look into that, that Miles slash. Ugh. No, I'm going to move on to 4.07. Uh, Starship Down. Two out of four stars. I know that's what my, the episode is called. My response is named... My is Fe. <laughs> uh-huh. So for this one, I call it Starship Down because I saw that that's what the episode was called at the start. I forgot. And then after I got to the end, I was like, what happened in this? Well, I guess the power went out. The Starship was down. Nope. And then I completely forgot that that was... I saw that that was what it was called, but, you know. So do you got notes on this uh, one? Two. Hey, okay. a proper use of the Defiant. Mm-hmm. They send it off, and then they kind of do their own thing. And, hey, James Cromwell, who I think I thought was the actor who played Odo like for like, when I was a kid. Oh, or, like, I in, my, in my mind, like, or... Years later, after not watching Deep Space Nine in the interim period, I always thought, "Oh, is James Cromwell is like is that the same guy?" Yeah, I uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. I spotted James Cromwell immediately as well. And yeah. I was like, "Hey, Babe Pig in the City." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, this episode, Bang and Ruth and Six Feet Under. Yes, that too. That too. Uh, it's not a bad episode. Uh, there's some good stuff in it, but uh, on the whole, it doesn't it doesn't totally come come together. You know what I mean? Hence, feh. Uh, 4.08, Road Trip Ferengis, three out of four stars. Little green men. Little green men. All I have to say is yes and funny, clever stuff. It is clever stuff. Uh, So this is kind of like the Roswell Futurama episode Mm -hmm. where uh, the Ferengis go back in time and they are the Roswell aliens, which I think is just 
awesome. I think it's really good. Uh, the stuff with the U.S. military isn't like uh, that stuff's fine. Although you do get a torture scene, and then uh, it's kind of just like it's like humans suck. And the Fringer is like, these guys are savages. And it's like, yeah, we do suck. Hey, it's uh, the, DS9 torture. It's DS9 torture, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me uh, that I immediately I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, I like this because it was never really addressed unless I just totally missed it. Uh, but when they land there, they can't communicate with the, the people because the people don't have the universal translators yep. implanted into their heads. And then I was like, I love that idea because it makes it cleans up everything. All the problems with English and stuff like that. It's English to us because we have our universal translator. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's the first I've heard of it. Maybe it was mentioned before, but I, I thought that was great. So Little Green Men is very nice. Very nice. 4.09. Uh, Klingon Excalibur. Two out of four stars. Yeah. Uh Meh, as opposed to sort of thin. <laughs> this is the sword of Kalis. Um, my notes here, RJ. Uh-huh. Man, this season is aimless. What happened to the Uber arc? Mm-hmm. Psychic Electro Birdman from Distant Voices. Yeah, there's this uh, new bird alien. He's the new big baddie for this episode. Levar Burton directs a. Eh? His the last one he directed was way better. Yeah, and pretty positive the gorge was that Goofy Gambler Race episode. Well, it was from that Goofy Gambler Race episode. There's a, yeah, there's like a gorge. This old Klingon comes and says that he's found like the the lost relic of, uh, like the relic, like their holy grail. It's a bat lift, but they call it a sword for some reason, which I was really confused by because I was like, don't they, aren't those the bat lifts? Anyways, maybe I'm off, but uh, they have the the sword of Kalis, and then as soon as they like, as soon as they start to touch it, they start to fight over it. So it's the old man versus Worf, and then uh, Dax is there too for some reason. Well, I guess because of her Klingon background, but it's okay. It's not great. Not great. Here's a big one for you though, Jer. Mm-hmm. Four ten. Holy fuck! I hate Bashir. Three out of four stars. Mm-hmm. And this is a high three. This is this is a good episode, Jerry. Uh, you sent so many screenshots. Uh, episode <laughs> so ten, good. our man Bashir. Yes, mm-hmm. holodeck episode. Yay, Garrick. Oh yeah, yeah. What else you got? And then I'll that's about that, 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 your... that, That's okay. it, actually. Um, yeah, this you, episode's you, awesome. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, when you were sending me the stills, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is uh, this is like when it's you know they let the collar down a little bit." Yeah. No. And I actually I think it was a uh, it's a great change uh, and it's a great use of the hollow deck because usually the hollow deck is trying to kill him and in this sense it is too. But uh, p- like the other crew members, what happens is they're t- they're beaming back to the station and then there's like a power disturbance. And while Bashir and Garrick are in the hollow deck, and then their codes, their like beam codes, are imprinted into the hollow deck. So Worf, uh, Kira, Dax, um, Cisco, and O'Brien—they're all hollow deck characters, and they don't know that they're actual real people. So they're they're themselves, or they're their own selves, but they're the characters, and, and which they, is and, wicked. And they can't end the hollow deck because otherwise yeah, they'll because die. Because those they would die. 
Yeah, so I actually really like that. This would be a four star, but it's it's it is Bashir heavy, <laughs> and I'm like, I just don't like Bashir, especially in the intro. It's him like, cause it's his James Bond yeah. episode, and uh, Bashir's like, like I get he's in the hollow deck, so he's really like suave and stuff, and it's just like I don't like you. But anyways, <laughs> uh, this episode is wicked. Uh, it is normalizing smoking again. Every character smokes in this. Uh, I sent you that pic of Worf just mm-hmm. puffing huge clouds, like ripping huge vapes at one point. Uh, he uh, Worf is a like a, a poker dealer in a, in a tux smoking cigars. Cisco smokes cigars. Kira is a Russian smoking huge cigarettes and cigars. O'Brien has an eye patch. Man. <laughs> this, this see, you, you, see, you didn't know. You didn't know you wanted it until mm-hmm. it was there. And you're like, I want Miles with an eye patch. I did want him with an eye patch. I really did. So, uh, yeah, this is a good one. I like it. Uh, check this out, Jared. Uh, fair. Oh, my phone just went off. Fair Ren Garar Terrorism. Three out of four stars. Whoa. This is a good episode, too. 4.11. Home, I like this one. Home front. Do you, uh, so my only other note was anti-Odos are anti-Vax. Uh, and then I have something about Crave that I'll talk about in a second. But uh, what's, what are your notes? Is this a no from you? Uh, episode 11, Homefront, yes. Nice. I can see why people might have been up unpleased with the Dominion stuff. Cisco yeah. being unquestionably in favor of mandatory blood testing. Martial yep. law. Cisco's father, the voice of reason. Of course, Cisco would start to wonder if his father was a changeling. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Actually, oh, so this is okay. So IMDb is fucked. This has it as a two-parter. Yeah, well, there it's two parts of the same story. Oh yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, okay. So I have it as four. Sorry, I got mixed up. This is four eleven, and then four twelve is the second part. But four eleven. Yeah, so what happens is they have martial law and they're trying to find changelings and the only way they can do that is blood testing. So they have to go around and blood test and then uh, Cisco's dad, uh, he's like a, a Creole uh, chef and uh, like th- they talk about a lot about Creole food. So he's like a mm-hmm. Louisianian yep. uh, chef and uh, he just refuses. He's ben? like, no way. Ben, he's like, I ain't taking no blood test. It's against our rights. Mm-hmm. And I was like... And they, all these guys are like anti Odo because he's a shapeshifter too, and they're just really shitty to him. And you feel See, bad. And the, then the, the, the cracks of the Federation. I know, I know. And uh, so, I mean, the Federation is always bad, right? Anytime mm-hmm. you see an admiral, you can just tell they're going to be the well, bad guy. Yeah, that's just lazy writing, though, too. Yeah. The one cool thing about this episode, Jared, and the next one too, they're talking to like Federation people. And then Odo will be there and Odo will do something. And then the other person will be like, and they'll like freak out and they turn into a changeling too. Mm -hmm. And Odo's like, I knew it. So they're talking and they're like, there's four of us on earth. They're like, we're here. And it's like, you can't get rid of us. You don't know who we are. And it's like, God damn, this is secret invasion. The Marvel story. Mm -hmm. Right, That's right. Uh, and then this episode, I realized uh, my other note, and this isn't Star Trek related, but it's Crave related. Their subtitles are fucked because uh, they don't keep up. No. And then what they do is it'll like start. And then if the person's talking too fast, it'll get the first half. And then the last half, it'll cut out the whole middle of what the person is saying. So if you were watching Star Trek on Crave, you'd be fucked, buddy. Big time fucked. But uh 412 <laughs> conspiracy 2.0 3.0 uh 
three out of four stars as well. So this is Paradise Lost. And it's a yes. Yeah. Uh, my comments here. Pretty hilarious, the body count that kicks off the rampant paranoia, especially in light of September 11th. Oof. Wait, well, I mean, this was in 96. Right, but watching it now. Okay, yeah. It has a different vibe to it. And then, it make, mm-hmm. and then I just mentioned Ron Moore is now definitely involved because he's the yep. BS yeah, Battlestar man. Um, the menacing Red Squad. Nothing mm-hmm. like a right-wing, left-wing conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, never has the separation of the Federation and Starfleet been more prevalent in DS9 until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get into some serious shit in this episode, man. So I called it Conspiracy 2.0 because it, it was just like that TNG episode, Conspiracy, where there's like secret like sleeper cells around or, or like, well, not sleeper agents, but secret agents around doing stuff. And uh, one thing I forgot, uh, so or not forgot, but I 411, I said Ferengarar terrorism. So Quark says the the name of the Ferengi home planet. And that's the first I've ever heard it. It's like Ferengarar or something like that. And then they talk about terrorism and like all the terrorist things that happened on that planet, like early days and like how it's being related to earth. So that's that September 11th stuff you're talking about. Well, is that's interesting because there's the whole thing about how, uh, Ferenginar, the Ferengi culture doesn't have a history of violence. Well, it was something, uh, I don't think it was the history of it, but it was, I can't remember what exactly of he war is. maybe, but I mean it's, it, it's, it's something about war. war and how they like um how they dealt with things like that or maybe how they were above it. I I can't remember now. It's too far. I watched this like a week ago, and then I watched all those movies, so it's a little bit out of my mind. But there's some good Ferengi talk about terrorism. Mm-hmm. So good stuff. Good stuff. Maybe we'll end there. Or did you watch another one? I got one more, but we can save it for no, next no, week. no. Let's do it. All right, all right. So uh, we are on, um, which one? Four thirteen. Okay. O- Odo, it, Odo the simp. Poor out of four stars. Poor love-struck Odo. So Odo the simp, but then also Quark's pajamas, and so this is a three out of four episode. Mm-hmm. I think at least. So this is called Crossfire. Yes. Is a yes. Yeah. Poor love-struck Odo. The show mm-hmm. really does have some powerhouse character relationships. Odo Kira. Jake Nog, Bashir Garrick, Bashir O'Brien, Odo Quirk, mm-hmm. Ben Jake, and Ben Dax are fan. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, by this point, like, all those times those characters get together, like, you understand their character dynamic. And it's oh, yeah. like, it's actually a really good handling of the ensemble. It's, I agree. It, um, and then, uh, yeah, Ben Dax has just never worked. Man. Odo fucks up once and gets more of a chew out than some of the Starfleet jackoffs on the station. Yeah, he like he makes like a small mistake or something, or he like he wasn't present when he was supposed to be. It, it's some it's really dumb. Like uh, he gets uh, he gets ripped into, and you're like, fuck, he didn't do anything. Yeah. O- Odo's getting creepy here. Not as creepy as season one Bashir though. Yeah, so Bashir's a total simp, and like. I know I say that all the time, but he actually is because he talks about like coming on to women and they'll never come back on to him and his hollow deck adventures. And you're like, Ugh. and then he's like, they'll, he, I think he has a line at one point and this isn't me making stuff up. I brought it up when I saw it, but like, she'll realize one day and you're like, ew. So Odo gets into that kind of territory here. It's not as bad, but uh, Odo's definitely a simp. 
for Kira. Uh, Kira likes her powerful Bajoran leaders. Yeah. So we get another, like, uh, it's the new first minister. And, like, they're all, the way they played off, like, the last, like, spiritual guy with Kira was that they were all, like, in the rebellion together or something. So they always know her. And she always just falls for them right away. And uh, she gets a, she rolls around with them. But then Odo's really sad, especially because he had, he's assigned to security for this guy. So it's like, he's always standing outside of this guy's door while uh, him and Kira are inside. And he's just like, because yeah. he has to be there. It's his job. My, my uh, follow-up note is the friend zone. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, Quark's jammies. Yeah, Quark's pajamas. And, huh, no real climax at all. Yeah. So this one ends in a total bummer, but, like, uh, so the friend zone stuff, they actually build it up really well where once a week, Kira comes for to go through, like, security stuff with him, and it's it's Odo's, like, it's the favorite part of his week. He always gets ready for it. And then when she meets this guy, she starts blowing it off and he's real mad. And then he's standing by her door. Uh, the other part plot is that um, Odo's room is right over Quark's on the station. Mm-hmm. And Quark is mad. He's like, you make too much noise. He's like, you're always shape shifting into other like into different like animals. He's like, I can hear it. And uh, Odo's like, what do you mean? And he's like, look how big my fucking ears are. He's like, I can hear everything you do. Come on. <laughs> Uh, so at the end of the episode, uh, what which I, which happens I, which is... Which I guess is a thing about you can hear everything. You can hear everything. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 got a few meanings there, Jarrett. Mm. Uh, in, in his bucket? Oh, no, Odo doesn't use the bucket anymore. Oh, he's past the bucket. He's past the... Yeah, after he met with the other founders, the other shapeshifters, and they just, like, they just hang out freestyle in a big pond. Mm-hmm. He just kind of... Like, he keeps the bucket as a reminder, but he doesn't right. use it anymore. Okay. Um, But once he... He, like, tries to talk to Kira, but she doesn't really listen. So he goes back to his room, and he just fucking wrecks the place, just knocking shit over, r- ripping it apart. And then Quark comes up in his pajamas, and he's just like... He's like, dude, what are you doing up here? And then I think they have the best relationship of any of the characters because they're like frenemies. But then Quark comes up in his pajamas, sees Odo's like he recognizes he's having a hard time. And he's just like, you love her, huh? And then Odo's like, yeah. Yeah. And then it and then it just ends. So I think that's what you mean by there's no climax. It's just like it's just a sad ending. There's mm-hmm. no resolution to anything. Right. Uh, but Quark and Odo's relationship is really good. And it's way better than like what you said, Cisco and Dax. It's like that old man. Always old man. And you're just like, yeah, we get it. But Cisco talks too weird to be taken oh, seriously. Old man. Old man. Yeah. So uh, anyways, that was uh, that was the last one I watched. So I did a lot of DS9 in this week. And uh, Odo and Quark are the best. Well, I know. That's what the fans come here for. A little, at least one fan for sure. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean us. We're fans <laughs> of our own podcast. We're allowed to be fans of our own podcast. I thought we hated this podcast. I thought that's the we gimmick. do hate it. Oh, that's the gimmick. Yeah, we gotta live it. Well, we're fans of doing do the right thing. Um, you uh, you got any news, RJ? Tom Cruise, check him out. Yelling at people. Hey, there's a really great article just before we logged on. Uh, Mega scale slaughterhouses, meat packing plants put beef industry at risk, says report. Is that good or bad? 
Um, the consolidation of beef processing plants in Alberta has kept meat prices affordable in Canada, but has also made the industry vulnerable to disease outbreaks, according to a new report. Is that good or is that bad? I don't know, but one should be concerned. I don't really know what to do anymore. <laughs> you can't. You can't win. Do I do nothing? Hey, the, RJ, there's, there's yeah. Criterion movies coming out in March. New ones. You, oh. you want to hear about them? No. Oh. Hey, we never uh, did. Was the Wong Kar Wai box set, was that announced this week or last week? I that, can't keep track. Well, uh, the world of Wong Kar Wai mm. was announced, like the pre-release, usually always like a week out before the main release mm-hmm. announcement. They talk about box sets. And yes, the world of Wong Kar Wai is coming to Frank's house. That's good. Frank will be happy. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, he finally made it. Yeah, let me just click on the announcement. What do we got here? We got Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies. You know about that movie? You know about that? From 1996. Secrets and Lies? Yeah, it's one of my favorite films. Yeah, I've seen it. I remember being good. What do you prefer, Secrets or Lies? Good question. Good question. Yeah, secrets. Secrets. Okay. I like. Okay. Secret. I like those secrets. Cool. Keep them I'm on board. Keep them where they belong. Where's that? Um. Secret. It's a secret. I can't tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't lie about it. Okay. So yeah, we got secrets and lies. We have sure. defending your life from not Woody Allen, Albert Brooks from 1991. Uh is that a real movie? Yeah, yeah. It's called Defending, okay. Defending Your Life with Meryl Streep. Okay, I'll take your word for it, I guess. We have Celine and Julie go boating from Jacques Rivette. That, Who? Uh, I don't know about this DVD package. It's covered. What does some, it look there's like? some pretty prominent feet on display. And it's like oh. and it's drawings of feet. Is it like a Tarantino foot? Uh, arguable, yeah. It might be. Hmm. Not yeah, Tarantino feet are questionable. Hey, boy, who boy? Know. What else we got oh. here? We got uh, Tuki Buki, uh, directed by uh, Jibril Diop Membedi. Do you think Hobby Jobby is a fan of Tuki Buki? From this is a film from Senegal, RJ, in 1973. I love Senegal. It's uh, one of my uh, favorite countries for films. <laughs> it's all of our favorites. And yeah, that world of Wong Har Wai. What's it packing? As Tears Go By from 1988, Days of Being Wild from 1990, Chung King mm-hmm. Express from 1994, Fallen Angels from 1995, Happy Together from 1997, In the Mood for Love from 2000, 2046 from 2004. Are those movies? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yes. Did we watch them? We've watched half of them. Yeah, we About. watch movies. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll set you back a cool $200 US before that 50% off. Uh, when is that sale? Right now or oh, not for another It already happens. You're, you're going to have to wait again till uh, like... I think they'll do a one-day one in February, and then after that, not till July. Do you think that uh, any, we will reap any of those profits and benefits? Mm, no. Canada right yeah yeah 
Yeah, I know. They hate our freedom. Because uh, we are the true north, strong and brave. Is that why? I guess. You know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He knows what I mean. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what I mean. He, he's yeah, yeah. Stepping in what I'm laying on the ship floor. Sure. Pal. Let's have. Do you yeah, see? Okay. Did you see a Denny Villain news like pissed off too now of Warner Brothers? Yeah, I don't give a shit about they, Denny Villain. But they just all. they just killed the Dune franchise. They killed it. It's done because it's not going to be able to make back the amount of resource poured into it. And like, but things what's like, buddy, that type of movie is probably done. <laughs> like for now. To be fair, that movie was never going to make back what was probably put into it. Like you know. <sighs> That's not what the internet told me. That movie would would have been so fucking expensive. And like who nobody wants the Dune franchise. Except uh, for like eight nerds on the internet. And all their their thousands of sock puppets. Yeah. Who've never well, looked at it, concept art before. Yeah. And like I did see something like Chris Nolan, he's saying he's like, Well, this doesn't affect me or the movie star, it affects all the other people. And it's like <laughs> But if that's true, it's like they should be paid regardless, right? Like it doesn't matter if the movie Buddy, that's not how business works. But like the movie's gonna come out. It's like those people would have been paid already. They helped make the movie, well, right? It's, or it's is, about future only it's about, paid? Wow, it's about future uh, prospects. Like there's like no movies and like the scale of movies are gonna drop, which means that there's gonna be less opportunities for people to actually make a living. Oh, well, I mean, it's all bad. It gets this bad. is going to be like, forever, this, this, right? Like, this is well, going to be a year, two the, well, years, maybe. The, the problem, I think, comes down to, and I haven't read a lot about this. This is uh, idle speculation, is that a lot of these companies probably float quite the um, debt, and they kind of survive movie to movies. I've always thought, like, mm-hmm. I think that Hollywood, for the most part, has got to be somewhat of a, a scheme to the, for the yeah. most part. Because you look about all these misses, and you think that, like, okay, some things make money, but, like, a, a colossal loss is huge. And you think about all these video game companies that get wiped out all the time. Yeah. And you're yep. you don't hear about movie studios getting wiped out. And you're like, well, what did they what did they know that they we just get don't bought by know? Disney. Well, that can't much that can't last much longer, right? I mean, nope. fa- Facebook's got an antitrust coming against it with the uh, the Trump era ending. Mm. Uh, they're, they're the, a, we're going to see like anti-monopoly stuff coming up. And I suspect that, uh, well, I don't know, Disney would probably be quite the foe for, for the government, but government can mm. do whatever it wants. I mean, the, we can all do whatever we want. Well, some of us Not can really. more than others. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. It's like I said. I think this is what we need right now. I get why they're doing it. Cinema. I don't think it's going to last forever. I think it'll be a year. Cinema's or two. life, RJ. <clears throat> Cinema Ver- Verde. Verde. It's great. Yeah. I mean, green is very lifelike. It's very. It's like, green. It's green. And, and money. And money's green. And that's what it's all about. Money. I like saw that some Dave Chappelle thing. I yeah, saw what? there. There's some conversation on Twitter. People were. Uh, having you know because people have conversations on twitter about Mm -hmm. comics and art (laughs) and um comic comics gate people those those types okay because somebody was like announcing i don't even fucking know a leftist superhero team (laughs) whatever that means and they're like why did they cut their audience in half (laughs) by doing this you're like yeah because they're all about selling a product rather than making something that you're interested in at marketing your book that way. I mean, well, 
market forces will decide whether or not it'll motivate you to make more of it. Unless you just want to keep making it forever, which is questionable. Isn't that what our uh, business model is? Just keep making it forever, regardless? Counting those dollar-dollar bills. Hey, if people want to give us money, I fully support that. Mm -hmm. Give me money. (laughs) Send me an e-transfer. Don't send it to Jerry. Send it to me. RJ RJ will stand in front of a bathroom mirror and, like, do stuff. I can do all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. People just haven't started paying me yet. Well, you can drink his coffee. Do I need to actually start in OnlyFans? Because I will. I mean, you'd be surprised, actually. You, you could you could really earn something. You you probably fit someone's demographic of like what uh, floats their boat. Like feederism. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you uh, ready to talk about uh, some real proper cinema? Is it fine and or artisanal in any way? I don't know. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we'll talk about it. Okay. After the break, we're going to strap on our fanny packs and go to Sweden in 1907 What's... and go see some stuff. Maybe find a guy named Alexander and hang out with him. What kind of Alexander? The good kind of Alexander? The Klingon kind? The best kind there is. Oh, look. Johnny, you have a lovely girlfriend. Yeah, but her name is a bit dodgy, lad. Everyone is out to get my fanny. Everybody wants to see my fanny. Everybody likes to hold my fanny. But she loves no one but me. Everybody wants to seize my fanny. Everybody likes to squeeze my fanny. They do everything to please my fanny. Still, she loves no one but me. Don't touch my fanny. Please don't ever try. My little fanny is reserved for just one guy That's why I never let another love light blind me Everywhere I go you'll always find me With me little fanny right behind me Cause she's so in love with me You know what Johnny, that girl's name is Now, Ingmar Bergman at the height of his powers shows you the world through the eyes of a child. Fanny and Alexander. An earthy world, bursting with the exuberance of family life. An eerie world, haunted by the magic of childhood. And a boy to whom the past and the future are one. A world of wealth and indulgence. of harshness and cruelty. Never before has Ingmar Bergman reached so far and found so much. A feast for the eye and the mind and the soul. The real world 
has never seemed so fantastic. More than a motion picture, it's a celebration. Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Fanny and Alexander from 1982, directed by Ingmar Bergman. And tonight we will just be talking about, RJ, the television version, correct? Yes, but I I believe, so I, I didn't realize that Letterboxd had the variations on there, mm-hmm. and if Letterboxd is to be believed, I previously have watched the other version you you'd be wrong because which didn't. i didn't think because so when you is this a new separation yeah this is this is let, this is let, this is letterboxing okay. this is the problem with letterboxes when we would have watched the movie there was no option for watch yeah. the logging the television cut and we would have just logged the whatever was there theatrical one which is three hours long but when we watched this these movies each uh, we went with the the big boy versions, the five hour and twenty one minute version, which is what I was going. So I was going to watch the uh, the other cut, the shorter one. But you know what? I said I remember liking this movie. Fuck it. And you know what? My real reason for watching it was the meme potential. <laughs> I was like, you know, I got I got like I think sixty screenshots from scenes of a marriage just because of the dialogue. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know. I'm going to be passing up potentially the dankest memes possible for the Creeps Instagram. Which is the biggest priority there is. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll do it. I'll watch, I'll watch the long one again. I know I like it. So I better watch it just for the memes. Yeah. So for so. anyone tuning in, just to listen to, I really want to know what people think of Fanny and Alexander 1982. Well, we're talking about 1984. And uh, I don't know spoilers we both really like this movie and uh you should just go with the long version which is a surprise coming from you know two people who complain all the time about run times well 90 minutes is usually my preferred but like it is conveniently packaged into episodes you could watch one a week if you mm-hmm. wanted and that that would be like one uh, movie a week so yeah. it's a lot of a lot of ways to it's, it's like this it's thing. like binge watching uh you know a, a mini series like binge watching the Queen's Gambit, or is that the is that the show? Maybe House on Hill or Haunting of Hill House. What about House of Cards? Is that show still popular for binging? Fanny and Alexander. Oh yeah, a yeah. synopsis from Letterboxd. Okay. As children in the loving Ekdahl family, Fanny and Alexander enjoy a happy life with their parents who run a theater company. After their mm-hmm. father dies unexpectedly, however, the siblings end up in a joyless home when their mother, Emily, marries a stern bishop. The bleak situation gradually grows worse as the bishop becomes more controlling, but dedicated relatives make a valiant attempt to aid Emily, Fanny, and Alexander. Mm. Um... That's pretty good for how long this movie is. That's a pretty yeah, good, it's, decent rundown. It's, it's succinct, which I'd be curious to see again. One day, maybe not a week where my basement floods. Um, oh, sure. Uh, sure. I would check out that theatrical cut. I was going to say, you should have watched the short one this week. Uh, it worked. It just worked out that way. Yeah. I so, gotcha. um, for me, Fanny and Alexander, I watched 
four years ago, probably in the first few months of starting the podcast, because at the time I figured, well, I, I just want to watch this movie. I've heard pretty good things about it, and I'm, we're never going to get to the point where we're going to actually review this movie on the podcast, so might as well just watch it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, how things have changed. So, um, but this is a second viewing for me. And when I watched Fanny Alexander back in 2016, around around that Christmas time, because I'd heard it was a Christmassy movie, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie knocked my socks off, rocked my ass, because... Excuse me? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, continue. Yeah, this movie's incredible. So mm-hmm. there's, all, there's that. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I probably whatever episode we would have recorded after I watched it, I probably mentioned how, despite this movie being again almost like five and a half hours long, I was like, oh, I, re- I want to spend more time in this world. Uh, like, which character would you want to be? I don't know, just the observer. There, there's things that maybe I, d- I wouldn't want to partake in this universe but i think like hanging out in it it's beautifully shot the music's mm-hmm. amazing um mm-hmm. but i don't know i'm not sure how actually appealing like you know turn of the century 1907 sweden is uh i mean by if you were one of the ectals it would be very appealing no they, they seem to have it pretty good they're pretty good i'd want to be the uh, jewish uncle that dude seems the funnest. Uh, Uncle Isaac? Yeah, because he, like, when you just look at that guy, he looks inviting. It's like this is a uh, non-hostile man who you just want to hang out with, you know? Mm-hmm. I think he's a fun guy. Fun-loving guy? That's who I would be if it was me. But, uh, you know. You know. You know. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about? Fanny Alexander, RJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that movie about, Jarrett? Well, this is a movie. It's about a lot of things. It's It's got a lot of scope. So might as well tackle it one chapter at a time. How does that sound? Like scenes sure. from a marriage style. Sure, that sounds good to me. So it kicks off with a prologue, as all really long things do. Mm-hmm. All epics. And then what happens? Um, well... You get a showcase of immaculate production and, like, set design, costumes. Because you get to see the Ekdal house uh, mm-hmm. that's owned by the matriarch of the family who's got all the money and has her three sons who've all married um, to various levels of success, I guess. Okay. Um we, I guess the, the main character in the prologue we get to introduce to, though, is Alexander. Yep, I, I would agree with mm-hmm. that. And to a degree. Yeah, because yeah, he's kind of exploring the house, and you're just going to see, like, it's not like the architecture of the house comes directly into play. It's just kind of like, look, at, look at this house. Look at these rooms. Look at the colors. Look at all the mm-hmm. stuff we filled it with. Uh, and this becomes, I mean, when you're watching a movie, you kind of take that stuff for granted. I think a lot of people do, honestly. This movie doesn't let you forget about it because you mm-hmm. just marvel at how well shot and considered and put together it is. Like It's like we've complained so often about lived-in spaces lacking in contemporary movies, perhaps certain popular 
Quebecois directors who make movies that are oh. very empty and like kind of just <laughs> voids on the screen, but that people celebrate mm. as beautiful. This is the opposite of that, but not even like, cause it's not like it's maximalist, like sensational Gaspar no style, uh, light show that you're just sure. overwhelmed with sensations. Like, no, this movie just presents, um, I don't know, this the, kind of like the wonder of bourgeois life, which mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it looks spectacular. The stuff photographs so well. It does. Uh, and it's a lot of like, um, it just seems real. All these things that are in the house, like all these individual elements, the color to it and stuff like that, the uh, actual candles on trees and things like that. Whereas opposed to, I don't know, certain Quebecois directors of any kind of frame, their stuff just looks like one in particular. Yeah. One in particular, it's just like, it's there, you know? And it's like, I know it's there because of the way it looks, but it doesn't, some of the times it's like, I don't know if this is needs to be there, you know? And it's like, I think that takes away from this, bud. And I tell him that too. I'd say, bud. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, bud? I, I'm hearing it. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I am on board with you on that one. I, I also think that there is a nice quality to the way this movie looks. Excellent. So the other thing I'll mention here is we get introduced to Alexander, who we find out is a good dude. Because, well, he's kind mm-hmm. of sitting on the, you know, turn of the century crapper, chilling out. On the what? The shitter. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, you hear this, like, loud snap crack sound. And it's like, yes. well, what is that? And he goes to investigate. And he finds the mouse trap. Mm-hmm. And he finds, I don't know if it's a mouse or it's a, rat. a, a Swedish rat. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a brown Norway, my man. There you go. And yep. what does he do? What he, he, lets do, it, he lets it out. He's like lets, he, he feels he's bad. Just a good boy. Yeah, I would bad. feel bad for that guy too. He never did nothing wrong. Despite all his rage, he's still just you know smashing pumpkins. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that a lot because I was like, I, I forgot about that, and I was like, yeah, this is uh, this is this is why I like this movie. Things then, like this. And then RJ, we get a little a little taste of uh, something we've talked about on the pod before. A little bit of uh, magic realism. Oh, or is this an overly active child's imagination? So I, I'm of two minds of this. I think it is child imagination, but it's not because other characters also experience this. Right. And then it delves into a different world. Is this magic realism or are we dealing with memory ghosts, Jared? Are, are, you know, that's an ever or, prevalent thing. Or are we dealing with quantum ghosts? Quantum ghosts? Where do those exist? Everywhere and nowhere. Okay. Interesting. No. Interesting. Okay. I feel like this becomes more prevalent in the end of chapter four. Oh, chapter four is... Uh... I think... I think uh, They kind of blur, like, kind of the, the epilogue. Sorry. Uh, fifth act. That is when uh, when you get reintroduced to Ishmael. It's fifth act, but on Criterion Channel, it is the fourth episode, which is oh, confusing. Okay. That's why you're, it is, so there's four episodes of the theatric or of the television on Criterion, but when you start the fourth episode, it goes act five and you go, huh? Yeah. Cause uh, I stopped it and I was like, did I miss something? And yeah. I went back. I was like, no, it's just, just ordered. So, strangely. so the, yeah, this, this kind of moment we see of Alexander kind of his first, like 
experience is he sees a statue come to life, very uh, Jean Cocteau style. Yes. And as well as you get a little uh, a scythe being dragged across the floor, and what like it's not it's a figure wearing a costume of death. It's a reaper, but it's not. It's not. Oh, a, a oh, can you say that reaper. again? Oh, reaper. Okay. What did you think I said, Jared? Um. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it's, we get these little breaks, and, you, and what's awesome too, and it was like, oh, this is nice. You kind of get introduced to the help, who mm-hmm. don't like admonish Alexander for hiding under the table. They're just kind of like, oh, yep. hey, what are you doing down there? Not like Alexander, get out of that. Like you don't get that shit that you see in every fucking movie. Where it's like, you kids shouldn't be doing things. They're kind of like, oh, hey, hey, kids, hiding under the table, not doing anything, just watching. Like, it's just like, oh, hey, the most normal thing. Like, I, I love that. Like, that just sets a nice little bar. I agree with you. The only thing, though, is I think your Swedish accent needs work. You need more. And ski and ski and skis on the end of the words. Which also to mention, I've noticed when, while watching this, there's a lot of like Swedish words that are just actual English words. No, but it's uh... always like the opposite. They'll be like, eat your porridge. But it'll be or they'll they'll say like. In Swedish, they'll be like oatmeal. And then the subtitle will be porridge. And you go, hmm. Interesting. No, well, it's, it, it is those uh, Germanic languages. They, they have a lot of uh, the kernels. They make that that those that makes a lot more sense than English, though. I'll tell a lot you, of organs. I'll, I'll tell you what. Oh, does Hank Hill uh, appear in this movie Oof. at any time? Well, I'm like I'm not sure what extraction Hank Hill is. I mean, I, I'm sure he'd claim American, but I think he's Lithuanian. Te- sorry, Texan. Well, I think he's like George Hoffmeiner. It's pretty close then. It's just on the yeah. other side of that Baltic Sea. Yeah, somewhere around there. Something like so anyways, that. Anyways, whatever. Yeah, kids will be kids, and uh, they're on board with it. The, the whole family is though, because even later with, uh, you know, the new baby from the brother, they're all kind of just like, well, it's here, so it's part of the family. It's so you know, they're they're usually on board with like whatever it seems. Mm-hmm. And, and then so that kind of ends prologue, and then we go into the first act, and it's Christmas. Is it in real life too? Almost. We missed wow. We missed it. Um, I mean, you could also... I mean, each of these acts have names. Did you happen to write those down? Uh, fuck no. I wasn't thinking about that. God. One is like Urgen Klerk. One is Durgen Block. One is Duke. Well, my, my title would be Horny Christmas Extravagance. Uh, slash Fart Party. Oh, I like your title. Your title better than uh, whatever their, that lame title no. was in the actual movie. So I'm on board. So it's kind of nice, and I guess this has been a thing in like scenes of a marriage where they have these sort of these breaks uh, yep. and these title cards, which is something that Lars von Trier picks up on in his movies. Mm-hmm. Which jumps to mind like Breaking the Waves specifically, but he he's, he had these movies that were like you know chapter one, chapter two, and they're like these always like really beautiful little title cards all of these uh happen with uh fanny alexander i don't know if it's in the theatrical version fuck someone should have watched it if only if only yeah i was gonna tell you that i wasn't gonna watch it and then i said fuck it we're we're gonna do it live and we're doing it for the memes someone else can watch it but i think our biggest point here is uh if you're gonna watch it just watch the long one it is good 
So it's worth it. You can stop listening. You should check out that movie. Just go watch that movie, yeah. Uh, So this is like the Christmas party. The big family get together. They they put on a nativity scene performance. Uh, This is more RJ's territory. Sure, I can speak to that if you want me to. No, that's okay. Um, so they, they they do this. Everybody turns out. It's probably part of the the villages or towns uh, tradition to go see the the Ekdal Christmas show, and they wrap it up, and then they do a big dinner for the theater, and then yep. they and th- there's like an interesting thing because the show is kind of it seems like it's almost like a like a charity show that they let everybody in. Uh, from the community and then they do a big dinner for people and there's like this kind of big speech from the you know phil- uh, the philanthropy of this family that obviously is probably a, it's like a diminishing family because mm-hmm. it seems like some brothers are doing okay but it seems like they're either spend happy gamblers or they're running the theater itself or they're sex criminals like the one brother or all of the above simultaneously mm-hmm. so yep. They're kind of doing this. This is like their big thing at the beginning. Very uh, liberal family, I guess, of the time. But the, sure. but but also it's like you know, you get these like comments because you watch these movies. I've mentioned this in the past. Like say like a great expectation, where that kind of rubs me wrong. In this though, it seems like it makes sense. But again, this is like a Downton Abbey thing too, where there's the upstairs and downstairs, and we're supposed to pretend that they all. This is a thing that we should really invest in. It doesn't bother me with Fanny and Alexander. No, it doesn't. And it's like I said, I think later when you get that uh, that baby in the mix, it's almost kind of like, well, we wish this didn't happen, but mm-hmm. well, whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And like the the wife, she like, like they talk about how she's aware of uh, how her husband's always horn dogging on the help. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, well. Being a real Ernie. Yeah, she's like. Uh, I'll go in. I'll joke with her. I'll also give her a, a good firm one, just so she knows it's like, it's like, yeah, we know he's horny, but make sure he's not too horny, mm-hmm. buddy. You know, you ever get like that? You ever, uh, you know, Riker style? I I, 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 I try to contain myself. Yeah, well, I try. You know, not every, not, not everything that moves, RJ. Oh well. You're, well, we can work on that. Yeah. So we get introduced to um, Mama Ekdal, Grandma. Iklu. <laughs> Iklu. That's Swedish. Uh, Hel- Helena Ekdal. Uh, mm-hmm. Her sons. Uh, there's Gustav Adolf, who is yeah, the, the who's the horn dog. Yes. And then there is Oscar, who is the father of Fanny and Alexander, whose wife is Emily who's one of the main characters, right? Uh, yeah, Emily's one of the main. And then, and then it's Carl is the other brother. Who he is, He's the failing brother. The fart champion? The sweaty man? Yes, very. He wants to, he gets, he wants to keep playing the game. He's, he's definitely the most um, toxic in his masculinity and his relationship with his wife. Who is Baron? Is German? And oh man, those those exchanges. I would, I do wonder if those are like more in the theatrical, or or they're reduced in the theatrical. And there's a lot more of that in the television part because it feels like it doesn't serve as much purpose narratively, other than it's like details of him and it explains what he what he's up to. It's mostly just to make sure you know he's there. 
he's there. He's sweaty. He's farting. And he's yeah. going to tell you how he feels. Yeah, he, uh, he blasts those kids in the face with uh, when he uh, farts he does. those candles. And they're like, those kids, are just, they're, they're lapping it up. They're just like, mm, baby, give me some of that pink eye. It's like a Will Ferrell movie, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. They're, that's pretty, it's pretty pretty close quarters on that stairwell. Mm-hmm. He, and he, I mean, when and he they blasts really, them, he really draws them in too. He's get to closer, yeah, I, get I, I, to closer. And then we also get uh, Pooty Pute, the, the child. That kid, <laughs> he like all but shits himself at the dinner table. Well, we've all been there, Jared. Uh, you know, yeah. There's that herring. No one serves herring at Christmas. That's an Easter thing, so well, it's probably left over from yeah. before. You know. So what's the overriding um, kind of? connective tissue of the first act for you rj for me it's uh storytelling okay yeah there's some stories told uh for me many yeah there's many stories i would say for me it's more um the dinner because there are many dinners in this movie but i think the movie starts with a big dinner and it ends with a big dinner as well so i think like the godfather it's just like the godfather it's almost like they're the same movie some would say Mm mm-hmm uh, I'd say the dinner because a lot of those stories, like some of them start at dinner and then a lot of them are afterwards. But it's that like after dinner vibe where, you know, like one dude's super sweaty, farting all the time. Another guy's so full he can't move. It's like and then there's more stories that come from there. Right. And there's all the monologues and things like that. But it's more like the, the dinner is my yeah. takeaway from this. Right. So, I mean, I guess there's like these little these scenes that are kind of building on itself because you have these like this yep. th- family of performers or like that have come down from i guess like the do they go into the history of what their father was because there's these comments that he was like this great artist lightly yeah so it's not like a big major point um that a lot of their like wealth was generated by the the, the now dead patriarch i guess mm-hmm. and the, like none of them have really lived up to the you know expectations there's the comment about that um by the, our good friend the bishop who we mm-hmm. see very briefly at the performance of the, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So people, I mean, so people are gathering for the, the stories, like they're gathering to the theater. Um, yep. and then there's the scenes with like, you know, the, the, when the father, the, uh, Oscar, like he's like telling that whole story to the kids and like, mm-hmm. dra- and draws them in. And then you also see the, like when they start reading Bible stories, which I zone out at, you know, but I, I get a look at all the pretty imagery and you even get the stories like, you know, siblings tell one another. Mm-hmm. Like ghost stories and tales yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Like it's always get built. the ghost stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, and there's then a, we get yeah. the chair story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because like then dad shows up and like outdoes them all telling this whole story. And he's all he's doing is he's, he is uh, evoking a narrative completely made up about a chair. Mm-hmm. And it's like and suddenly these kids are sucked into it. And it's kind of like where the movie begins. And then we get this nice little drop in there of like, hey, can we be in Hamlet? Which I was like, upon rewatching, I'm like, oh, that's a story of a dead father and a and a new and a new stepdad. Is it? I thought that was uh, the Lion King. <laughs> exactly, RJ. What? Mm-hmm. Interesting. S- s- stepdads are bad dads in in movies. Wow, I'll have to report back on that one. Mm-hmm. I'll have to do my own investigation. That's right. That's right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the storytelling is uh it's good. You get the those good uh childhood um 
like camp out uh, sleepover stories. You know, when you're sleeping over and if it's like 1130, you think it's like middle of the night, like 4 a.m. And you're like, you ever heard the story? But a guy who ate a sandwich, but it was a bug. Mm-hmm. Blow your mind, man. And then you go, oh, shit, no way. That dude ate a bug. Have you ever eaten a bug? No. No. Yeah? Oh, not, okay. Not, not while awake. Maybe, maybe it was uh, I slept. Okay. You, know, you know the whole thing with spiders. Well, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's a t-shirt, RJ, one day. Spiders or bugs? Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, yeah, that it might happen. It could. We'll see. Someone's going to do it. Um, so, yeah. Second act it kicks off with a production of Hamlet underway as it's being produced and getting. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, uh, dad dies or Oscar begins dying as he collapses. And then you get to see the extended death of him, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know, grim stuff and very of the time and it seems like oh he's a goner i guess like this real life no um i guess like the big thing that jumps out at me upon like you know alexander being like you know sandbagging and not wanting to see his uh father sick and fell um and he gets when he does get to see him one last time he gets to hear a nice death rattle uh yeah 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 which again kind of calls back to when he saw a scythe being dragged around the living room well there's lots of um i think there's lots of occasions where alexander is getting uh getting told like his future so the david bowie character kind of (laughs) says that later on in the movie we're not there yet Mm -hmm. but there's lots of occasions of where alexander's like being shown the future whether it's like someone is actually saying it to him or he's just seeing it from someone else we're in we're in number two now right or is this 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 is this this is the second act okay yeah so we have um yeah we got this is where ghost dad oh uh, yes that's that's at the end of the second act rj you jumped the gun you you did it again you really you you fucked it up i almost reviewed this as ghost dad you fucked it up so if we got so brutal. but but RJ you're right if first act is horny Christmas extravagance second act is ghost dad question mark ghost dad. yeah yes it is it is exactly the plot to Sidney Poitier's hit film ghost dad starring rapist Bill Cosby allegedly or oh, no, 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 oh no oh no RJ don't waste don't waste those on okay. on convictions Con- confirmed <laughs> confirmed yeah. until it's yeah. over until it's overturned but even then the conviction stands uh so we remember. have uh you know what we have some good stuff i, I forgot to mention in the oh. first scene or in the first act uh we have uh bergman um he loves showing dudes falling asleep to women talking so uh mm-hmm. we get that a lot in his movies mm-hmm. and then in this one i think we so in act two we have a great Bergman like almost fourth wall break where uh, one of the sisters like the nuns walks like across the the like she walks across the frame and looks right into the camera and I think oh, she yeah. even says something and it's it's such a short small thing but I love it because I think it fits into this magic realism thing because it's like you don't get a, 
you don't get characters addressing the camera at all in this movie. No. But in this one five second scene, and it's like, is she talking it to is, you? It, uh, it seems like it. So that's one thing too. Is like the camera work in this movie is really active. Oh yeah. Like it is always just zooming in. It's like it's what I guess you'd call the the '70s zoom, but and then one that Wes Anderson is quite the fan of, and I can't help but imagine that uh, Wes Anderson may or may not be a fan of Fanny. Well, what do we? What can we say here? Is this Fanny stands Stannies? Stannies. Stannies and uh, yeah, let's just go with that. That's good. Stannies. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and so he, I was going to ask RJ, do, do you remember like? seeing an adult freaking out for the first time. Because what happens is we get Fanny and Alexander, they get woken up to the horrifying sounds of their mother screaming at the um, open casket of their now dead father, Oscar. And you just get these like just animalistic cries and just them just watching this. And I was like wondering, like, do you remember like adults freaking out? Like not, you don't have to be specific, but did you ever get to experience that? Cause that's a, that's a, a one of those moments of growing up, I guess, of knowing, Oh, things aren't just normal. I, like, the way that like people create this idyllic vision of childhood yeah. without bad things ever. And like, we have to protect them from that. It's like, no, oh, that's not what it, life is. I think the first time I ever saw like an adult like kind of lose it was you remember that scene in Blade Runner 2049 when Ryan Gosling loses it? I think that was my first experience. Oh wow! With that. Sim- yeah. simulated reality. Simulated by a, by, no, uh, by by one of those Quebec filmmakers. By one of those, yeah. Uh, no, I remember. It. So like when I was when I was in like grade seven. Uh, my grandma passed and then I remember going to that funeral it was really unexpected she was pretty young and uh, some of like my aunts and uncles it wasn't like big big things but it was I it was seeing them emotional in a way where you're just like oh shit you're like you're like grown-ups cry you're like I ain't never seen this shit before so uh, it wasn't like a big uh, like screaming like um, uh, Emily has. But uh, that was one for me where I was just like, oh, fuck. I was like, people can be sad when they're adults. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's not all uh, smiles and sunshine. Well, we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. So and that'd that's, be and that's, and that's why we cry. Hey, big girls cry too, Jarrett. Just like that Fergie song. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big girls cry too. What about you? You ever have a good cry? You really slept on mentioning Sister Act 3 in the news there, buddy. Holy shit. You know what I forgot to mention, too? So that that was like a whirlwind. Uh, <laughs> but the Sister Act 3 things, I, I do have to give credit to uh, um, our longtime buddy, Colin Richards, or what is his Facebook thing? Colin Matthew or whatever. But, you know, our first time, longtime buddy. Uh, he was the one who directed that news my way, so I do oh, have to give him credit. For yeah, I, I didn't even mention it to you because I saw it and went, oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I posted it, and then mm-hmm. it, it did pick up some good traction, but uh, I did forget. Uh, I, f- I forgot to mention. I was like, he, he was the one who actually sent it my way, and I was like, holy shit. But, yeah, that's big news, buddy. There big, you go. Big news. So is Fanny and Alexander. Well, in a different sense, I guess. Well, it's not as big. And now – um, I start getting upset because about the, the bishop. Oh, he so. Oof. This is where he makes his actual. So like, old, he has old Bishop Edward Vergeris. Vergeris. He 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 darkens 
our doors. And now, and at this point, like it's official that Fanny Alexander shift into being the focus of the narrative. Because mm-hmm. you, you could start this movie and have no fucking idea where this is going. Other than it's like, oh, it's just a big old family drama. And there's mm-hmm. definitely moments where it kind of like you get uh, to get like a little pickup of like, you know, anywhere from five to 15 minutes of just focusing on another family member. And you're going, why is this movie called Fanny Alexander? It's all not a lot, and not even a lot of Fanny. It's a lot of Alexander. It's a lot of Alexander. Well, and I mean, yeah, you, the first one, you're like, who's the main character? Is it the uncle? Is it the other uncle? Is it maybe this kid? But uh, you do start to get that picked up a little bit now, and our bishop here is here. And Alexander, that's Bergman, right? Like, this was his life. Uh, I don't know if it's his like, – I don't know if it's biographical, like, but there is some elements tea, of – it's but... it's him figuring stuff out, like seeing death. And yeah. there is this idea of – I mean, if you want to boil these things down, like we kind of talked about quantum ghosts and imagination – and dreams right. and like what magic realism which this movie kind of couches itself in it's sort of the, a real big fish kind of way maybe oh a what kind of way a big fish because that's big the, that's that's fish. the that's the one the kids like in tim burton i i'm a i'm a big fish stan oh yeah we'll and talk I, about that another day but i am not so i know um but hey, I, nothing like having your dying wishes ignored, am I right? Well, how many times have people made good on your dying wishes? Like, actually. Um, nothing yet. Well, assholes. Exactly. But you know what? Funerals aren't about the dead. It's about They're about the living, you know? So are you saying that the dead are it's dead? a selfish thing? Yeah, they don't give a shit. Yeah, what they want, it's like, well, I mean, it's the honor of their memory, I suppose, but they they won't know any better, and uh, they're not around having to deal with the, the aftermath. So if, if it makes those guys doing the funeral march and trumpeting it around, let, let them have it. Let, let them let them dust off their their uh, regalia and go have and do it. Can have those, have those banners flying. What? What are your death wishes? And I'll make sure that that happens. Even if your family's um, like, no, we are not I, doing that. I would like a, a small child to be muttering cock, fart, cunt, shit, fuck, under their breath at my like, funeral. At an actual funeral? Yeah. At mine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can, can you arrange for that? Oh, I, I can make that happen. I can easily make that happen. What? Well, at your death, at your funeral, what what video game music do you want played? I would like the Castlevania music played. Which one? And that. Uh, you gotta be a little bit more specific. It's Castle uh, Super Castlevania Four. Uh, yeah, Super Castlevania Four. Yeah, I like that music playing, and then I also want to go out Hunter S. Thompson style. So no. I want you to be the Johnny Depp and put me into a firework, and then launch me off illegally in some backfield. Okay. Mm, his dream death. Did he Hunter S. Thompson was shot off in a firework? No. <laughs> no. No. Ap- after. Oh, his body. I yeah, see. Not, yeah, yeah. Not his death. Oh, his, uh, uh, I see. You, yeah, yeah. You know, not, I, not death. Uh, I see. Yeah, you want to be shot up your remains. My my remains. <laughs> yeah, I was thought you were saying something about Johnny Depp. Is this was this a frame job? I want to be no, done. He, I want to be done in. 
He didn't kill him, but he RJ, did discard I, his I, remains I, for him. Mm, is what I meant I, to say. I, I would I, like. Okay, I got yeah. it. I got. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, see that it happens. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And then RJ, we get Ghost Dad. And then we get Ghost Dad. And Ghost which Dad, I went. Holy fuck! And it's Ghost so Dad. and it's so good. White suit, and he doesn't oh, talk yes. for like a whole chunk of it. He's just Ghost Dad looking on. Because first you see a little bit of Ghost Dad, and he shows up, and you're like, oh shit, is Ghost Dad going to leave? And it's like very like symbolic. But then it's like fuck, third act. Ghost Dad keeps coming back. He doesn't. He do, he can't stay away. Nope. Ghost Dad's here to stay. Mm-hmm. And then we get third act. Mm-hmm. Um, which one could call fuck this guy. We could say that. Yep. I have a few other things I want to mention, but I won't play that card too soon this Kay. time. So we jump ahead one year. Yes. And uh, my comment here is, maybe these guys deserve to be out of business. The these, church? The, the actors. The, 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 oh, the, the actors. The theater. Because something's changed. Some, Emily, Emily was supposed to keep the theater alive. Keep mm-hmm. keep her dream alive of acting. And uh, just keep doing everything like it was supposed to be. Even with him not being around. But she <laughs> just is having such a hard time of it. And she's got a new man in her life. The rumor side, and then there's a lot of women talking. Oh yes, oh you know, I, oh I've heard. Oh yes, something's happening. And um, I have the note: the ultimate patronizer, as old un- uncle Uncle Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh RJ, when he reaches his hand to the back of Alexander's head, every scene, it's always this slow manipulation. It's just like, oh, I want to break your fucking hand. I hate this guy so much. Like, you didn't him. think it was comforting and uh, no, reassuring? No, no, it's, it never is. It never is. Mm. Um, well, I know the next time I see you, I will definitely lead you to uh, uh, an area. Oh, so, yeah, we get kind of like the you're meeting your stepdad scene, but it's played out where he's getting brought in as the bishop to mm-hmm. ask why did you lie at school but in this long roundabout way of manipulation to like just like why this is so fucked up like this isn't like a great way of dealing with hey why did you like tell people i sold you to the circus and you're like you're, it's like am i wrong is that not what you did rj have you told people in a, at school that your mom had sold you to the circus and then you're teacher or something like that got like worked up enough that your mom found out about it would she be upset this is what would happen or is, it, or is this like a 1907 thing this is night well i mean i don't even think so because i think this is what would happen there a kid would say my mom told me to the circus and then another kid would say well why are you still in fucking school then you loser well, and remember, but he said end. but they do say it's like not at the, it's the end of the school year would happen yeah so i mean even in that sense, I do think that the teacher would probably step in. Uh, I mean, I think that'd be the reasonable thing to do and just be like, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then they would maybe call it home. And then I think the I think what it, they're trying to say is the mom is – she doesn't know how to handle this. The mm-hmm. kids need a strong hand, as she says. Oh, yeah. And, and that, uh, and that guy likes to use his hands. He likes to use a strong hand. When he, he, he sits him down. And he's like mm-hmm. caressing the back of his neck and the back of his head and ruffling him up. Oh, I'm so friendly. And then he starts the interrogation. The like, that... like he's like he's the Inquisition, and he's like doing this thing with his finger where he's tapping him on the fucking head. 
Mm-hmm. Is that not how you talk with your youth, Pastor? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. This must be old school uh, old, Christianity. Cla- yeah, classic, classic religion, uh, right mm-hmm. here. Christ- and this is Christo. this is where we start to get. It's way more in four, but this is where we start to get some heavy Catholic imagery, my man. Catholic horror stuff just at the end, mm. and then in four it comes. I think a little bit more, but we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Well. So, oh, I've got some comments. So I got some. <laughs> end of fifth act is. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, my next note here was there are sadly people in this world who do think that Bishop Verdigres is a good guy. This is like, this is, this is, what's wrong with this? Well, I think you know those people. They Those people make comments on the internet uh, about certain things. It's like, uh, you know, they have a lot of opinions and they want to be heard. And they're saying, what about the good old days? It's yeah. that kind of uh, mentality, I think. So after right? this, whole, this whole setup, this whole procedure of like, what's about why do people lie? And why mm-hmm. do people tell the truth? And this na- this nature of it. And you're like, kids just make up shit. But it's like, no, no, no. We're going to beat that out of you, motherfucker. We don't want you to think. We don't want you to have like a creative thought or extrapolate or no, 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 no. There's no room for that here. Not in the church. If you want to live a good, clean life and this boring life committed to God, you, you get that out of your system. So we're not going to deal with this this fucking theater shit. That, mm-hmm. That's gone. You got to leave your old life behind. Is that, is that jumping the gun? Is that fourth act or is that the end of the third act? Like when they actually like get... to leave. Yeah, when the they theater? leave. Yeah, when they actually leave, like we're completely like she closes the theater at the beginning of this, right? Or says it's going to be done. Oh no, I think the theater closes at the end of two. No, no, no. That is the. No, it's the, three because the, she she informs them at the beginning of three. Oh okay, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's within three that the theater okay. is closed. So because you, 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 you get the scene at the end of the third act when they're leaving the. Um, grandma's house i guess and like they're like oh i feel really weird about this i feel like i might not like there i think eventually they will be living in this house again and uh like and as yeah. they're walking from behind and they walk by the the theater and it's just closed yeah and and then that's also where um that's also where grandma starts to see ghost dad as well because she's yeah. talking to him i think about that too or is that maybe uh, that's time? later that's during the rainstorm See, I have a theater closed as a uh, a screen grab I wanted to get, and I, I have it in two, but I might be off just because it's like, I thought that'd be funny. You know, COVID, theaters are closed. Tom Cruise, Denis Villeneuve. But stop. I don't know. Stop. The, stop. It's all blending together. So, But you don't, you don't what, like what, my French? So what, I, what I like here is uh, what, what a wonderfully vile depiction of Christianity in a Christmas movie. Oh yeah, yeah. This stuff is, uh, I love it. I mean, but that's Bergman's big, right? Like, wow, this is this is like top shelf, best of Bergman stuff. I, yeah. I think all that your your winter lights, you can you can mm-hmm. you, you can keep that. You can <laughs> see, but I like. I know you were soft on a uh, winter light, but I, I actually like winter light. I think it actually fits really well into the same kind of ballpark of ideas that Fanny and Alexander has, where it's like. Oh, like, like especially they, they the hit kids. on it completely. Like at the end, like they, yeah. he talks about it, like specifically yeah. matter of fact about about the universe, about yeah. like how it's like growing. It's like so this guy's reading, but nonetheless, um, yeah, this though is like this is the stuff of uh, authoritarianism. I guess this yep. is the shit. I'm like, 
Oof. Oh boy. Well, that's a fine line, though, right? That's like any authority system. It could be religion. It can be government. Yep. It could be small scale. And it's just like, does absolute power corrupt? Absolutely, Jared. Hmm. Is that what we're dealing um, with here? My, my final note for the third act is joyless Swedes. Yeah, Swedes are pretty joyless, except for <laughs> the two uncles. They have. Oh, I know, but I think I think it's because we meet the the family. We get to, we get to meet the oh the the, the, the church bishop, family? The, the bishop's family, and yeah. it's just like so now it's like stripped of like it's it is a austere um, oh, asceticism. Like it is just like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like everything has to go blank walls. Like now it's like this is that winter light world <laughs> of um, yes. yeah, no, not the extravagance and liveliness of uh, the Ekdal family. It is something else, but it's a very dark depiction of that and then we get on to the fourth act where like my only real note specifically about the fourth act is oh my god fuck i want them to die so bad so yeah so i don't have it separated as acts i think that's my issue here i have it separated by the episode so i think that's where my theater closing thing is coming into Uh, play yeah so i have i have episode one two three and four so is the fourth act where so I mean, obviously, they move in. Uh, their religious family is real shitty to them. Uh, and you're just like, I feel bad for these kids. That's well, where you're at here? Well, is that, these, Do we get the punishment in uh, the fourth yes. act? Yep, because yeah. it's the whole thing where uh, Emily leaves to, like, yeah, go visit. Uh, to plead with her, uh, with the mother. And that's where she sees Ghost Dad, the grandmother. Yes, because she's having these dreams because yeah. the whole family is out on the boat. Yeah. Yeah, and that and uh, there was a thing in here too. I liked a lot where they say it's a punishment of love, mm-hmm. and it's like, isn't it always, Jarrett? Mm-hmm. Isn't it always? Yeah, okay, I'm on board with you now. Yeah, they. Uh, so we get our punishments. Kids get locked away, and then in our uh, attic, we have one of the gnarliest, uh, I think, Bergman thing. And I don't, I don't want to play it too soon, but I just got to say, floating ghost heads. That's some some real shit there, Jared. I love that. That's it real. Is... That's really Ari Aster, RJ. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> I feel like Bergman one's, putting it in here. One, one's good. One is good, and one is not. Uh, when Bergman does it in nineteen, what in when did this come out? Sixty two or something like that. Oh, I beg your pardon. When did this movie come out? Um, nineteen eighty two was the theatrical release and then the oh, yeah. television version was 84 yeah yeah that's exactly what i said yeah. so 1984 uh i like his version of it i like the way that the heads kind of move around and they're not like really stilted but i also just like the ghosts and it's not cgi it's not cgi and i thought that was really impressive and i was just like you know what whether it's magical realism or it's just a kid's imagination going a little bit too wacky it's like he made a story dream. that scared him or yeah and he made a story that was so scary that uh, he dreamed and it scared the shit out of him, and well, he gets puked on. The question of for always is like, when did the bars get put on those windows? Well, you don't know. He's like, what's up with this? Yeah, he notices that, that and points family? out. And think, well, that's I think how the it ends, right? Like, oh, yeah. hey, there's bars, and it's like, oh, and then you get to get acquainted with the family and the whole like the battle, like kind of like this, like oh, she gets she moves in. And she gets the rules laid out to her by her sister-in-law and mother. And they're trying to play this smiling game. And as soon as, like, the sister's challenged, she starts crying and being very upset, which is 
a tactic. And the, the bishop just sits back and just lets this, like, oh, the women, they'll figure things out. And then we get a chime jump with um, the f- fourth act. And that's where you get that info dump later on when Emily goes to visit um, right. uh, Grandma uh, Helena. And you just get to find out what's going on. And you're like, oh, it's that bad. And she's like, oh. And then you're like, well, you have to go. Like, you think it's that part of the story where I have to give you some advice. And she's like, no, I know. She- and I try. I've tried, and this is what he's already explained to me will happen. Yeah, and it's like, no, I want to go. I can't. Yeah, because, oh, uh, and it becomes so late into it. You're just like, oh fuck. And then this is happening. It's like I'm afraid to go because I feel like like it's 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 a battle, of, and like it's like Alexander doesn't understand how dangerous he is. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like what is like what is this? And you're like, oh yeah, it's the. The tale of, and of course, like the the housekeeper, the the, the mm-hmm. very who, I don't know. There's like a pretty great moment with her, like after she has had her interaction with the kids, where um, they're talking about, oh yeah, there's some weird stuff around this place, and I saw some things, and like they're like, what kind of things? And they they effortlessly do the thing. I think like Fanny maybe is like, hey, you want a cookie? And then she's like, yeah, sure. It's almost like a in the interrogation again. Um, where it's like, oh, give, give, me, give me more information. And uh, and then because the, it plays so well. Um, and then she gets information, and then before she's about to leave, and then he's like, I, I've got something for you. I, 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 saw, I saw the ghost too. And she's like, what? Because he's like, you're a superstitious person. And then he either makes up a story, which I think is the implication because his vision of ghost figures later uh, indicate that he knew it was fake or he, he had made it up yeah. and, and that, and that kind of clarifies that that didn't happen in the story, but there's something else there that maybe isn't true. <laughs> like mm-hmm. maybe like there is something amiss here about this great tragedy. Um, because yep. no, I, like, I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, you get that whole thing. Cause it's just like, that's all it is. It's just this extended sequence of uh, Alexander telling a story. And then the the joy of that housekeeper when she tells the bishop about it and she sees his reaction, she smiles because mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, I'm creating trouble." And like, she, like you're just like, "Fuck!" And then it just goes from there. So, would you do something that vindictive, or not even vindictive, but like you know? Actually, here's a better question for you. <laughs> uh huh. Which of the punishments would you have? Would you choose? Would you choose the rug, uh, like the rug beater? Yeah. Would you choose the what is it, castor oil or something like that? Uh, it's like drink this castor oil, or would you choose the crawl space? Probably would take the carpet beater. The carpet beater. Yeah. What was it? It wasn't. Was it castor oil or was it something? Ca- else? It was castor oil. That's what castor he, oil. That's what he said. It, yeah. Which I, I mean, which I I'm think... pretty sure is a form of like it's a war crime. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that shit will fuck you up, man. Um, I had a friend once who was really hungover, and he thought uh, there was a bottle of water, but it was a the friend's house he was staying at. He worked at this oil plant, and they he just got like canola oil for uh, free, but they were putting it in big bottles. So he took a big pull off of it because he thought it was water, and he drank like half a liter of oil, yeah. and he was really sick. No, nope. he was really sick. I'm pretty yeah, sure I that probably... I'm pretty sure like castor oil uses a means of torture is pops up again in the Criterion Collection one day. In DS9? Army of Shadows, maybe. Or um, State of Siege or The Confession. Something like that. 
I just remember like being introduced to that, watching one of these uh, political thriller movies, and being like, "What? What's so bad about that?" <laughs> I or some of that, and being like, "Oh, I can't remember." Oh, or actually, uh, Armacord I think had something like that too. Drinking oil. Uh, Was it played for farts though? No. Hmm. A lot of stuff in that movie is played for farts. Some. Yeah. Well, yeah, some things. So, in this installment of Fanny and Alexander, old mm-hmm. uh, chapter four, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the bishop he he has to prove his point. Yes. And you can judge, and you can always, judge, and, you know, these totalitarian mindsets fueled by uh, belief in God, and that especially when you're the bishop, and you're like you're the leader of your of your little territory. It's like mm-hmm. you, 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 you make sure that you're going to beat this little boy down physically and mentally. What would you do? And you're going to win. But it's like, and that's a win. It's, it's a oh, win. Okay. It's, it's, it goes into the win column when you beat them emotionally. And it's like, he doesn't believe it, but oh, you'll say it. I will make, that's, that's how I know I've won. It's like, yeah, that's, 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 that's great, buddy. Hmm. Yeah, ghouls, mm-hmm. and then they get locked up. Old uh, yep. Alexander gets locked up. His sister gets to watch it all, and mm-hmm. his sister, of course, completely turns on the bishop, which is like, I guess, like the one little like sort of emotional um, uh, respite you get is that she's like doesn't like let him touch her, just turns her head away, and he's like, Ugh! he clenches his fist up. Fuck, bah! <laughs> it, it's he's borderline like snarly, over the top villain, but man, it's so good. Uh, he gets thrown up in the attic, ghost sisters mm-hmm. visit, and then uh, his mom returns, and mm-hmm. that that goes great. She doesn't; yep. they don't want anything to do with her or do with him. Uh, I, I think there's the great bit where he's wishing them good night, and Alexander doesn't want to lie and does not wish him a good night, and the bishop is amused. <laughs> Alexander, you got me good. It says Alexander does not wish you a good night, and he goes, oh. "Yeah." When he's like oh. this, this talking to him in the third person thing. Yeah, Alexander does not wish. Remember when he had that conversation about lying truth? Well, it wasn't really a conversation. You just talked, and Alexander listened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's listening now, buddy. Well, he's a very smart young boy, but we'll we'll break his spirit. Is that what you would do? And then, of course, like the one thing that was. Maybe I don't know if it works exactly. Um, so Emily, who tells um, Helena that like he's a very dangerous foe and very like you, you can't he's like dangerous. She like is full and tells him I'm going to kill the baby inside of me. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, well, it's a good move. It, yeah, and it startles him, but at the same time, he's like, well, we're just going to have to lock you up. And we'll keep a good eye on you. My my family's gonna make sure we keep you alive, keep that baby alive. We don't want anything happening. And then she like gives out that silent scream of horror. And it's like, didn't you just you just do it? You don't tell him. But and she does that later too. It's it's like is this mm-hmm. like is this the actress in her? Like kind of that. And it worked, I think so. Yeah, like she has to like it's like I don't know if that's for dramatic effect for the sake of the movie or this is also kind of like her her flaw i guess she like overplays her hand and that but this is something that yeah. comes up later in the fifth act when um uh the older i guess the, the other brother the uh the degenerate brother uh, gustav <laughs> who 
who's also at this point knocked up the housekeeper. Right. Um, one, right. Of the, one, one of the help. And she, he's going to have, so she's going to have a baby. Or everyone's having babies. Everyone's having babies. Yeah. And have we got, so did you mention, like, so at their next point, like, she plays her hand, which I do think is kind of like, uh, it's so that later it doesn't seem, like, I think it's intentional. Uh, but then Gustav and uh, uh, Fartman, uh, have they had their conversation yet? No, in your no, 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 no. Okay, that's, that's no. way down the no, line. No, okay. because... The fifth act starts up. Right. And it kicks off with a heist. Right. This is where my man comes in. Yeah. And then uh, Uncle this... Isaac, who's like kind of like the side piece of uh, Helena. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think there's like some sort of like, yeah, there's, there's a, like they, they see one another. But Uncle Isaac, yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll see anybody. He's like hitting on the one uh, elderly uh, maid saying, you should come work for me, baby. <laughs> Is he the he, Riker of the uh, Bergman he, world? He is kind of the maybe he is kind of the Riker. So, oh, the fifth act, man, oh man. So this opens up with Uncle Isaac riding, blasting down the street. Oh, yeah, is this, on the yeah, carriage, blasting yeah. down the street on the carriage, and just like he's just, and he's riding in his chair because he's uh, he's like he's the money lender in this town. Um, you could debate whether how like. How the interpretation? The interpretation is like, oh, it's like the the Jewish guy. He's the money lender, and like, but obviously, there's plenty. There, he leans into that stereotype and has to deal with that shit. Uh, in like you know, turn of the century Sweden, uh, there's a lot of prejudice there, but he kind of also owns it. And like you know, people like see him running or coming through town, and people know it's like, oh shit, it's like he people borrow money from him, and he makes mm-hmm. and he makes money off of it. So he he just shows up riding through, and he just like hops out of the back of this wagon, and he walks right into the bishop's house. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? And uh, he's there to buy a chest. What kind of chest, Jarrett? Uh, I don't know. It's like a a wicker basket thing. It's a mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know chests or like things like that. Uh, I'm, he- I know, I know cinema, RJ. Oh, like, fine I, artisanal uh, cinema, allegedly. Well, so yeah, he's there to buy it, and then like the the impression I got too is there's not a like there's a lot of empty space now, and it's like so are they selling everything? Because it's like I feel like it would almost be weird if he was there on uh, unsolicited, but like he know like the bishop knows who he is and stuff like that, so he shows up to buy the chest, and uh, I, I, it seems like there's other stuff there. So I think the church is having a going out of business sale. No, well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's which common... is brought up later. Yeah, kind well, of. you kind of wonder, like, is that why this place is so empty? Because they just yeah. keep hawking stuff and like selling things off piecemeal. I don't know, um, but there's like an there's a or they live modestly, or they live modestly because they're church people. But they're, I don't think that's the case. Because like, what do you need for that money? Uh-oh. Are you are you feeding people with that money? They're feeding themselves. They're doing something, surely. or they're buying the land. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Uncle Isaac, Isaac, Uncle Isaac, there because it's a rescue mission. Uh, yeah, and it, it it plays out real cool. Yeah, I like it. So it's running up the stairs, doesn't fart once. Mm-hmm. He runs up those stairs. Yeah, it's fart free zone on the stairs this time in this movie. He goes up there, he tells the kids, "You have to come. You have to get ready to go." And they're just like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he goes back down. He gets to face some anti-Semitism from uh, the bishop's sister because, of course, I'm talking, I don't like you people. Like it's just like, yep. And he's kind of doing the whole act. Like he's just like, oh yes, oh, oh do I have? My, uh, you have to sign the contract. Oh, I, I got some money on my wallet. I, 
because you don't because and it's just this back and forth. It's so great, and mm-hmm. like it's it has a completely different vibe from the rest of the movie. You didn't even know that uh, Bergman had this type of thing in him, and then it's kind of a funny thing because there's like, how do these people not hear each other in these rooms? It's so echoey. Like you would assume it's a big empty space, and you would hear people running upstairs and muttering, and like they're not that far apart. So there's a little, again, a little bit of movie magic. Um, I can't remember if it's this part where you get to see the bishop's cat, who is a really bad actor, horrible actor. Maybe one, well, of, the worst, one of the worst cat actors I've ever seen, RJ. Despite this fact, this cat being, like, lovely. But this cat is, like, for shit. Like, the cat's just, like, looking at whoever's behind camera. And it's like, it's like you know what, what you I gotta say. And the cat, like, gets startled when he closes the drawer. And the cat's, like, gonna bolt. But then it's like, oh. And he gets back down and starts looking back at whoever's like, stay there, kitty, stay there. Which, of course, you get to see also in the making of Fanny Alexander documentary where there's a scene, I believe, when the uh, 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 Uncle Isaac's coach arrives. There, There's a cat in the street and it, like, darts off and hides behind a plant. And, like, it lurks. It acts appropriately cat, but I think when they were filming that uh, the scene, the cat was not cooperating because cat whispering is not real. I disagree in the sense that it's a bad cat. Uh, bad cat actor. Bad cat actor. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think that at all. Cause you know what? Sometimes my cats, they'll just be standing here and they'll like look up at the ceiling and then they'll look at the don't, wall. Don't look at the camera kitty. And then they'll look at the doorway. Cats see ghosts. So mm-hmm. when I saw this cat looking well, around, I was like, he probably sees a ghost. No, it's bad acting. RJ don't, don't. Well, I mean, uh, we disagree on this, so uh, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. But disagree. So um, we get a little bit of Judaic magic. Uh, Yes, we do. Excuse me. uh, Am I boring you? No, it's, uh, what is it, fucking midnight? No, uh, we do get some Judaic ma- uh, magic, and uh, we get a lot of uh, good uh, Uncle Isaac type stuff. But uh, what Judaic, are you talking about the opening of the... Oh no, the dead bodies. The the, the bodies at the upstairs that allows yeah. them to sneak away, mm-hmm. and uh, with the chest with the with the live children intact. So how do you read that? I don't know. Because like <laughs> the bodies fall out, and then you get the big like no to the sky, yeah. and it's like so it failed. Yeah, he, he, he asks God for a favor. Um, I see. And so. God is not with the bishop. He's with the Jews, like it's always been, RJ. And uh, well, they're the chosen he pull, people. He pull, Jared. pulls a fast one, and yes, uh, he, he, gets, he gets those kids and yes, uh, absconds with his boys who load him up in the wagon. They go back to Isaac's like magic pad that of endless mm-hmm. wonder and winding t- passages and puppets and theater and David Bowie. Yeah, so there's so much weird stuff well, in that. We're, get, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. okay. Uh, so now we get, I mean, you, you get the whole thing of, like, they're going to be living in this back of this room, this red room, and Uncle Isaac reads a story from mm-hmm. from uh, some apophical or I don't know if it's, like, actually from the Torah or one of the various, many, uh, you know, things. writings. Writings. They, yeah. There's so much of this stuff. And he reads this long tale. And then, I and, like then to... and, and then we get this like dream sequence like of mm-hmm. people out in the desert and fire and everybody comes back. Remember that? 
It's, I do, and I like, he's just like, he's like, the translation is going to be a little rusty. And then he monologues for like three he's, hours, effort, just like uh, perfectly. Yeah, for effortless Hebrew. Or, or, or yeah. he's reading Hebrew into Swedish, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and then we get that sequence, and then we get the negotiations with the two oh. brothers, with the bishop. And that is also amazing. So fucking good. You know what that reminds me of? It's kind of like the business card scene in American Psycho, mm. where it's like uh, every Who's every bigger? statement is like it's like the pissing contest. Every statement is bigger. It's like, well, we're gonna do this. It's like, oh, I anticipated that, and I'm gonna <laughs> do this. And they go, we didn't anticipate that, but as retribution, we will do this. And then the next guy will be like, interesting. My next move is this. Did you know? Yeah. And it just it just ramps up and up and up and up and up. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. And that then you get because well, because he's like, I want my I want the children back. He's like, Well, you're not going. The you're, you're, he's like, You've kidnapped them. I have my legal rights, but I don't want to embarrass you. And he's like, Well, we could embarrass you. We'll talk shit about you all over town. We don't want that <laughs> to happen now, do we? And he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, people are going to say a lot of bad things. I, just, I don't know if that'll phase me that much. And then it's like, Ah, uh, but I will do this, and then I will do this, and then um, of course. Uh, Gustav is uh, not a great negotiator. Carl, he's a little bit more restrained, barely, and very calm and very damp lips. And the bishop, yes. there's times where he's about to lose it because he's because he's an ultimately an angry, abusive man. But oh, he's, but he's done a good, you know, strong hand, strong hand. And because um, because Taurus, he could uh, very easily make it so his wife will behave and say that my children have been stolen from me and I want them back. This, despite all the, if in a court of law, this is what would be said and mm-hmm. it would, you know, we'd be back where we are. So let's just uh, bring them, bring it on back. We're, we don't need th- this whole deal about like paying me off and, you know, making a big donation and, or to whatever charity you want. Like, oh, it's very thoughtful. It's just so good. It's played so well. Great stuff. Like just watching these three guys playing off one another mm-hmm. for like, 15 minutes good stuff mm-hmm. um very good and then we get back to the to uncle isaac's house of uh, like so this is where my vibe on this is so this is like 1907 europe and mm-hmm. like the whole concept of like quantum mechanics hasn't really happened yet but it's right around the corner so there's a lot of i feel like this stuff that you get one little comment about from uh Edward Bishop Edward about like the universe is expanding. And when I watched this the first time, I'd been reading, um, I mean, I'd been rereading Alan Moore comics, and he, oh, and, he, and, he and, and he talks a lot about like in a lot, his comics, he throws out stuff about like Heisenberg and Bohr's, um, and like sort of like the other like early theoreticians. Uh, there's like Planck's, uh, what's mm-hmm. his name? Because uh, way about like figuring out physics at this, yeah, Planck's constant, and like talking about like how they're. I'm not sure if that's the one specifically, but one of these guys, I think it might have been Bohr, it might have been Heisenberg, um, talked about like uncertainty principles. And uh, it's probably Heisenberg because Bohr was way older, right? Like Bohr did lots of like electron stuff with the models, and he did like he got into that stuff too. But my guess would be Heisenberg. Niels Bohr. Yeah, Niels so, Bohr. So, so he's, da- Bohr he's, he's so he's Danish. So he's close. I mean, yeah. I mean, he would it have... could. Well, I guess I mean, based on yeah. the time frame, Bohr so, would be more so likely. I feel like this is maybe the this is the, the setting of this though is like before 
this stuff's being done in like the 1920s but it's like it's trying to figure this stuff out and i think that the ishmael character is sort of like ahead of the curve i guess Mm -hmm. as far as like this like uh judaic mysticism but like also where it crosses over with like science in this sort of like literary way where you can extrapolate so this is where this idea of quantum ghost comes from where you can like see through things and because nothing's known and like there's multiple universes but it's done in this really effortless way where you don't you don't have to actually appreciate the movie for that element but it's because it's left kind of unknown but i think there's something to that and i haven't read anything about bergman saying that but as soon as like the character starts talking i'm like oh fuck that's where they've locked him away um they i guess because it is a brother who is played by a woman tilda swinton mm-hmm. style uh this mm-hmm. like if this was made now it would be tilda swinton it would have been and everyone swinton. would be clamoring because it's like this androgynous yeah. david bowie haircut <laughs> like again mm-hmm. which is also can't be an accident because no that's very intentional right like a hundred percent yeah and I mean, if Tilda Swinton did play it, she would probably get the male genitalia with uh, just like swinging get, get, meat get it out down low. No, just uh, in oh, case. Before that, though, we get that amazing scene with the god in the darkness, like which oh, was yeah. with uh, Aaron the brother doing the the puppet show, and so, that is yeah. like like that is uh, I mean, it recalls all of Bergman, like everything. Yeah. It recalls like that's like the most on like on point, on, on message thing of like yeah. we're like oh fuck it recalls everything this is like a cascading point for mm-hmm. bergman's career and this is kind of like where i think this idea of like this was going to be bergman's last movie which i guess we haven't really talked about like where this falls uh in the history of bergman's movies like well, we this, talked about this, this in was gonna... scene of a marriage the sequel that's his last movie right well yeah he made movies after this but this was yeah. going to be his last movie. So this was like his definitive statement, I guess. And I think that's why he's making this movie kind of about himself or kind of his mm-hmm. a version of his self or like a cinematic version of his biography. And then you also introduce this character who is sort of like, how do you defy things? And like, it, it kind of explains, I don't know. Again, this, it's not like this is a really grounded in like, oh, this is the uh, Fanny and Alexander explained video. <laughs> Because it's like, I don't think that was his idea at all. It's just kind of like a nice mm. little like addition where you're like, oh, you have this character who who doesn't make sense. People are terrified of. They le- keep them locked away, and then you, you get exposed to it. And because they're going to show you everything, because they know everything, because they've figured it out, and they've gone insane because they see it. Like, they've, they've done the calculations. They can read things. They can see through you because they're, like, mm. looking through those uh, – those, electrons and they can just see that we're all it's m theory <laughs> stuff and yeah. and that's why it's like the spookiness of that idea of once you start looking at these ideas of what matter are if you're thinking mm-hmm. about it like this is like very different like again this is the stuff that bergman's struggling with as a man who was depressed for so much of his like life and his creativity is like everything's the same and nothing really matters but they're obviously that's mm-hmm. not true all the time Sometimes. Because of family and narrative and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so we get the scene where you get like, this is happening and it's super tense and like magical and nothing like you've seen in movies. Like it's so great. Um, mm-hmm. You get like shit. Like actually when I think about this, uh, Matrix Reloaded, this is the architect scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like kind of. I was I was just going to say when you're describing this guy who sees through things, I was going to be like, do you mean Neo from the Matrix? <laughs> Because that's it's very similar, right? Like mm-hmm. the code that's mm-hmm. basically a 
mm-hmm. like 1990s version of this and stuff. That's also a scene. That's probably the best scene in the that seek that second movie is the architect scene. The I architect? thought that yeah, that scene's awesome. I like V. It's like even in um under under the Silver Lake, it's it's got a scene where there's the man who's written everything, like all the songs, and it's like a sort of like mm-hmm. figure. It's it's such a cool idea, and I I was not expecting when I watched Fanny Alexander the first time to get that there and you're like mm-hmm. are you kidding me <laughs> like of all places it's like this is like a, a sci-fi trope of like this character yep. but it's like but it's just this character is like who's going to like live obscurely and will die without any note mm-hmm. uh because they're sick and they have to be kept away because they're dangerous and who can explain the plot basically but a very yeah. like in a, in a dangerous way um so that's happening and at the same time we also have like the, you're getting the hopeful uh, satisfaction i guess of the fate of the bishop where emily mm-hmm. steps up her game and she's given sleeping pills and then she decides i want to drug this guy and get the fuck out of the house mm-hmm. and uh, so i i have a few things to say before okay. we get to get, that get, get, get. uh so uh niels bohr in 1913, that's when he made quantum theory, or he was doing quantum theory, atomic theory. Yep. So I think that is fitting into this. So that's based in the movie timeline. That'd be six, seven years later. So I think well, like. So the movie starts in 1907, but there's some time jumps. So we're getting up to 1909, right. 1910, so potentially. I think that's based on uh, based on the timeline. I think it is probably Bohr who we were closest to, and especially based on what you were talking about. Which uh, I don't say this often, but I think you uh, you made some nice connections there about quantum theories, things that don't matter, but then family narrative, interesting stuff, my man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got him, uh, and then the next thing I would say is, which of Aaron's brothers do you like more? Do you like David Bowie or do you like the Zombie King, the Mummy? Oh, because like he says, they're both his brothers, right? Uh... Doesn't he? He's like, this is my brother uh, Ismail. And it's like the the breathing zombie, and he's just like he's been a lot. He's been dead for four thousand years. Mm-hmm. But then he also introduces his brother, which is the androgynous guy that they uh, lock up. So it's like those are both his like, those are like contrasting ideas, right? Mm-hmm. We have the scientist, and then we have the uh, the archaic like old religion type thing because right. it's like he's a literal mummy, right? Mm-hmm. So which which one would you be if you had to choose? insane or a mummy or the living dead who or perceived as insane it's like you're too dangerous you got to live in this little wooden room and we'll feed you i don't know it's too dangerous both are a little too appealing both are a little too appealing Mm -hmm. so i just think i i I like the contrast there i think it's interesting yeah and then uh yeah the giant puppets are also a nice thing and i also like i like that house in general because like the space in that house is it's also like I wouldn't say it's like the other apartment where all these rooms are connecting in, but they almost don't have a. It's like dial code uh, Santa Claus or whatever that movie's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like that where it's like the pad or like the movement between the rooms doesn't actually make sense, but that's good because it fits in with where they're kind of locked in, right? Right. I like that. Yeah. It's good stuff. But uh, yeah, and then we get to uh, the drugging. <laughs> and then we get, so we get the kind of this like, we're, it's, it's building to this crescendo, crescendo of uh, what's happening. Cause like, I kind of like, even at, when I first watched this, I was like, oh, she's looking like, 
I was like, did, did she intentionally already drug the drink and she had this idea? But then you, but she explains, no, it came to me after you left mm-hmm. uh, and came back. And it's like, yeah, she slips him uh, several sleeping pills and she tells him as he starts getting sick and she's like, I'm going to leave you and there's nothing you can do about it. He's like, no, I'm awake. And he starts screaming. There's also a bit where he talks about the universe is expanding uh, at this point. Which like it's like it's just like oh so he's like not just a monster despite being one like he's like reading he reads the newspaper it's like a grounding it's kind of like how um, men read about atomic bombs in say winter light and are driven like how do you deal with reality when the world is the way it is and that's what kind of what this movie is like and what Bergman's movies are kind of about I guess as a driving force so. Um, he gets drugged. We get a big whole scene of him like, please stay with me. I can't see. You can't let me go. I'm awake. And you're just like, oh, get fucked, buddy. And then this is also because he shares a little kindness because uh, his, uh, is it his, the Elsa woman? The the, the the giant woman who's bedridden and non... Oh, I don't remember what her actual name is. I just, I know what she looks like. And you go, this lady... She's got some problems, and, but well, she's being I... she's being cared for, and like, but it's just like she's complaining, and she's like, "I can't see," and he moves light closer to her, which again mm-hmm. I think recalls some sort of uh, darkness and light imagery, and think... and like yeah. in, and inevitability because of things the way things are set in motion, in this like clockwork yeah. kind of fashion. If you want to th- talk about again, um, the nature of reality and how things happen and inevitable like there's like nothing you can do it's all fixed in place and yep. things happen um so we get which i you one could argue an allusion maybe to one of igmar bergman's favorite movies the burning uh mm. i don't know if you know about this um it's I've about heard. The, the movie about cropsy you know about cropsy yeah oh i know cropsy so you know cropsy so it's it's about a person who gets lit on fire while well, in their I've bed the yeah, yeah. You, you know about that and but we, yeah and we get, we get to the other get, viewers we get full body burns yep and then yep. It, and then it kind of also becomes the inspiration for wes craven who is a bergman fan Mm-hmm. Uh, a scene where it's like I think that we gets remade in Nightmare on Elm Street when a burning person jumps on a sleeping person who is asleep and burns them away um, horrifically. So it's like a nice like point that there's like some 80s slasher <laughs> element to this uh, complete surprise of a full body burn in an Igmar Bergman movie where you get like this. Not only does he lose the girl, but he also mm-hmm. dies horrifically because you even get a scene this like completely like like what is this something out of the blob <laughs> out of like cronenberg's the fly uh-huh. of half burnt man <laughs> just like, like, like well i like the description before you see it where it's like so you see the the big body man burning and yeah. then you're just like holy shit is that full body burn mm-hmm. and then you get the description later where it's like well he was the man was very clearly a, under a sedative so that's why he didn't wake up when the giant of man on fire fell on top of him and then he burnt half of his body. Yeah. And then he woke up. He was unable to and put himself out. And then he crawled. Out. Yeah. Yeah, and then he crawled to his mother where she saw him and then she saw him die. <laughs> and then and then it cuts to that scene and you go, "Holy shit." Mm-hmm. You're like you're like, "Is this 
You're like, I don't remember this in the, uh, the seventh seal. It's it's a real showcase of cinema, I feel. I mean, this is like where you get yes. like this, like it's like it's so ridiculous and like, mm, baby, I, I I mean, how do you how do you do that? Because you want you want this guy like you want something bad to happen to him. Oh, yeah. And then he do, you get it. And then like the, the family walks mm-hmm. and um, she has she still has the baby um, because she's preg- yeah. pregnant. She never gets rid of it. And wow. not yet. Not yet. She'll find a way. But yeah. And then we got a investigation by a very uh, astute team of Swedish's finest uh, police who were just like, well, here's what happened. And I mean, you you did leave at 4 a.m. and this happened at 5. So you're in the clear, even though it's incredibly suspicious. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, he even kind of like he alludes to that a little yeah. bit. Yes, he's he like, does. He's like, you know. We don't think that what happened is what happened, but we can't sh- prove that it isn't. So we're going to leave it at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what it reminded me a little bit of was Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans, where you get well, like I haven't this, seen that film. Well, but... Werner Herzog, Nicolas Cage. You get this. The end of that movie is so funny. <laughs> it's just like everything works out. And it just like it wraps it up in a nice, neat little package. Because that's what you'll, that's ultimately what the fans want. It's what the audiences want. Mm-hmm. Put a bow on it, and you're just like explain it away and go. Well, our, our, our work here is done. Well, that closes the, or case closed. I said mm-hmm. case closed, and then you get. I feel maybe an overextended epilogue of double babies and celebrating babies, and you get the, mm-hmm. the, this very long speech by Gustav. It's a good speech, but it is it's a bit much. Yeah, it's like at the end of it, it's like maybe the maybe 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 it's like after you come off like such heights, you, yep. you don't need that part. So maybe it's not a perfect movie, but you're like some, we're but, good. But there's move, there's nothing like it. Uh, I guess like the real like I don't know cherry on top on top of that bow is uh, we get Alexander. He's like ah yeah back to life. Everything's great, and he just gets tripped. By uh, Quantum Ghost Bishop. <laughs> he says, you can't escape me. Yeah, he's like, you can't escape me. I'll can't. be here forever. That's right. And like, whatever that means. Is it him? Is it like the damage he's done? Is it like like Christianity? The, the, this dark element, I guess, of everything that's all, everything that you can associate with him. He's a part of him forever. And he's going to haunt him. You'll never know. You'll be going around, you'll be going through life and then he'll just trip you again. Well, Jerry, it's just subbing one, uh, one prison for another. Am I right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the run through. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. That's a movie we were, we watched. Hey, RJ, RJ, what did you think of Fanny and Alexander? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I, I agree with you. This movie is super good. And uh, I kind of added my notes throughout. But, um, I mean, it's got it all. And uh, I think the biggest part for me is, like, I love the – I like the floating head ghosts. I like Ghost Dad. I like Alexander's imagination with the Reaper. I like the ever-present threat of Catholic guilt hold, uh, just lingering over you of all uh, all the time where, you know, you'll never be rid of me. But uh, I do also, as you put it, like the family narrative stuff. I think that's really well done. Usually I don't like movies with the being sympathetic for the rich people, but, like, I feel like these guys, I think the kids uh, can win you, win you back because it's like, well, they never really – 
they never really experienced that high life the way the adults did. They were just kids. They had toys and stuff. And then they got the shit beat out of them by this weird bishop guy. So it's like they're pretty sympathetic. Is that like, I mean, it could happen to anybody's kids. It's like, oh, they can really, I don't know. I don't think he's going for that. It's like, well, they can really know how bad it is because they had it so good before. Well, I don't don't even think it's that. Like, I I think it shows that it's like they have it okay, but it's like you never feel like the kids are overindulgent, not like some of the uncles are. They're just like, they're just kids. And then they get put in a situation where it's like. uh, But they also get taken away from, I think the biggest thing is like they, they, I mean, they they get like a. Alexander's able to like smuggle in his teddy bear that yeah. like that again, Edward, oh, I'll let you keep that teddy bear. Like, but, but, it's, but it's not like played like that, but that's like the scene. And you're like, okay, good. Mm-hmm. You're not like, I'll let you keep this for now. Well, cause I'm a good yeah. guy. He's like, I'll give you one on this one. Just mm-hmm. one. Cause that's I don't, funny. I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, it would be complicated. It's like, Ooh, this would be hard to sell, but he could, he could snatch it away at any moment. And maybe that's, that's, enough because you'd be like i'm doing you a favor you owe me now because you, your obedience is required because i let you keep your bear that i actually try to prevent you from having in the first place mm-hmm. yeah. well you have to give up all your material possessions to be closer to god Jared. well or to fully possess somebody and start things over oh fuck that scene where he's like playing the like with her being like oh these are the rules and she's like well i can't let my kids do that and he's like <laughs> that's your decision to make my dear it's my decision for me, but not for my kids. It's like, it's your decision. And then she's like, oh, I made you angry. And, he's, and he's like, oh, well, yes, yes, give me what I want. Isn't that the mark of a stable relationship? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this movie's awesome. Uh, I love, I do like the magical realism, whether it's, we discuss like what it could be. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's like, because it doesn't, it seems like it belongs. Yeah, I agree. Rather than like. Someone had some like, oh, I, I want to do this, but I have no way of explaining it because I have nothing to say. So let's just put it in there. And then people go, oh, magic. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it feels. That's how some of these things feel. Um, I guess the other thing, too, I mean, I do wonder about a movie that kind of plays with this idea of uh, time. Like, this is like something that would influence, I think, a filmmaker like a Richard Kelly, who does like Donnie Darko, who has, is also kind of playing with this idea of like lives and like, the, the, again, bringing quantum physics into movies. I don't, I'm not saying that one is like the other, but I think it sets this kind of like, it probably would belong into this pool of uh, playing with the nature of reality, but not being explicitly a science fiction movie. Instead, you have like space tendrils. And maybe that, that's a that's a form of uh, magic realism, right, RJ? Space tendrils? Yeah, what, uh, what color would they be? Like kind of bluey? Blue green, yeah, kind of, yeah, blue gray greeny, yeah, that draw people okay. around. Would Nick Cage be in that version? Not potentially, not, and maybe in a potential future remake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this movie's awesome. It's yep. uh, I. It's like I said when I was I was gonna watch a shorter one, and then I was like, nah. I was like, I remember really liking Fanny and Alexander. I was like, I'll just do it. Whatever. Yeah. If I have the time, I, why not? And I suspect that going to watch the three-hour version, it might cut out some of the stuff that I would agree. is like, yeah, I don't know if that needs to be there. But, <laughs> I mean, you'd be going back to it and be like, oh, this seems so truncated. Like, there's going to be two hours and 20 minutes missing. I know. And that's kind of what I thought. I was that, like, that's nah, significant. And I will say that this movie goes by at a pretty good pace. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it goes at a – like, you're watching and you're like, oh, 
I, I you know you look at your watch and you're like okay fuck it's been like it's already it's been an hour and I'm like that does that's not so bad like this is this is fine it's it, it's mm-hmm. it, relatively it's a pretty easy watch, um, which brings me to the making of Fanny and Alexander which has a spy number. Yes, and, it does. Uh, you know I I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here for uh, for RJ, but yeah. I love. I really. I love Fanny Alexander. I think it's okay. fantastic. And um, what this making of, directed by Ingmar Bergman, he made it himself. Mm-hmm. Is uh, inessential. <laughs> like I don't know. Well, yes. This I is mean... this is an hour and fifty minutes, and holy fuck, this is this feels more like what we usually watch on this show, which is yeah. our movies that are like, oh god, is this fucking over yet? Where I'm like, I'm just. That mm-hmm. goddamn like was it twenty minutes of Candlehead? Oh, that scene is um. I honestly, I feel like that scene's really mean. Yeah. Oh, like, it is. It's sadistic. <laughs> but well, and like the thing too is like even the the lead into it where it's like we asked Gunner if he uh, if we were allowed to put this in, and uh, I think what Bergman thought at that moment because the way they talk about it leading in it's like this is a man who put himself out there and really worked for it and then it's like he just puts him through like the like the biggest slog and this is guy who's very clearly like he can barely sit on that stool it's like it's like you're being too picky Bergman like you honestly are and you can see that he gets like frustrated with it and you're just like I feel like even including this in the documentary in itself is just like adding insult to the injury of that of the filming of that scene i thought it was super mean to include that in here even though like i think in his mind he's like no this shows that he was such a dedicated actor that he could stand it and it shows the process and it's like i don't know man feels feels mean but you have that and then uh for this one too like there were some things that i actually did like about it i like seeing like bergman with the welding goggles to mm-hmm. like see where the sun was i was like oh that's a neat like because he like so much of it was based on like the actual lighting or like the light uh and then i thought the can uh the commentary was really candid where it's just like some of the stuff like this the commentary in between you're just like is this just a dude talking it's like we were gonna do this but oh, it's bergman whatever yeah, yeah and it's bergman's comments and uh it's so candid i was like okay and i did like seeing how some of the stuff was set up like uh some of the shots were moving around the houses it's like oh yeah this it's like this took takes a lot of work mm-hmm. and he was very involved uh but i was also like some of it goes on way too long, uh, which I think they're trying to show you. It's like, yeah, making movies is hard. It's like, mm-hmm. I know it's hard. Every job is hard. Like, honestly, every you could you could work in fast food. Like, that's a hard job, too. All jobs are hard. But it's not art. Uh, yeah, but art isn't real, my man. Uh, but the one thing. Yeah. So, like, the candle scene is painful to watch. Uh, and then one thing that I found frustrating with Bergman is he's always right beside the actor. Like, he's sitting an inch away from them while they're filming their scene. And he's just staring them right in the face, watching them. And he'll say to the cinematographer, he's like, make sure I'm not in the shot. And then he sits there and watches them. And he's just like, could you not like be a, like a foot back? So you weren't in this scene. It's like, do you have to be that close to them? It's like, I think that's showing he's hands on. He was right in the action. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, does he need to be, do you know, does he need to be here? Hey, RJ. I don't know if he does. Yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, this movie does a job, or this documentary does a job of really displaying how much a cinematographer does? 
Well, I, I think it shows how much the cinematographer tries to do. Yeah. Well, he's a little, then, he has a lot of control and a lot of suggestion, and they just kind of wind up doing this stuff. But, I mean, you can definitely see that he was bringing the same level of quality that you can see in um, a film he also shot, Sleepless in Seattle. Whoa. Or Mixed Nuts. I don't know that one. Steve, Steve Martin, Christmas movie. Check, okay. check it out. Okay. Um, you you have seen the unbearable lightness of being. Oh, I've seen that fine feature film. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. And, I mean, you've seen that Autumn Sonata, uh, some, and and of course, uh, uh, the Magic Flute. Magic Flute's pretty cool. Autumn yeah. Sonata. We we, is we we know this. Cool. We know this guy. Work. He's worked with uh, Bergman all this time. Bergman. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yes. I know them. Quite. I know them well. Quite. But yeah, this is, I mean, even if you're like hard into Fanny Alexander, you've got to like really love Bergman. And that other like Bergman documentary that we had to watch in the the trilogy. Ingmar Bergman makes a movie? Yeah. I, yeah, that thing sucks. That, yeah, this is not that. Because this is just footage. But it, this is, it's just footage. And there's, I don't know, sometimes maybe you do need a little bit of talking heads. Maybe Netflix is right. RJ, maybe you need a little bit of something there. It just, it just felt list- oh. it just felt very listless and easy, like, like I don't know, not not one of Bergman's best outings. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But we did we did get to see uh, the anatomy of a scene with a full body burn and how hey maybe uh, Swedish shouldn't be allowed to do it because the guy's hands got all burnt up I guess if, from what he referred to as napalm. Uh, unfortunately, even though we had all precautions, mm-hmm. the man's hands still got napalm on them and had severe burns. And you go, okay, yeah. Werner. My name is Werner, but uh, well, I can't do English Swedish. It's if I'm doing Swedish, it's just Ingenberg, Ingenberg, It's all those kinds of noises, you know. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean, bud? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, underwhelming, <laughs> this uh, making of. But it has a spine number, so we had to watch it. I mean, so does the uh, TV version, but fuck you. <laughs> Ockham. Yeah, that's nuts. You can't. No. no. What are you doing to us, we guys? Have, we, have a, we have a life to live. It's almost like when they did this, they didn't plan for two dudes, mm. two mildly overweight dudes in their uh, 30s to uh, do a... Um, podcast yeah. in order for the spines you want to talk about who hates this movie rj i feel like those people hated um they hate it because they ain't it you know what i mean mm-hmm. what do we got um let's take a look at let's see here let's take a look at the the actual movie movie the three-hour okay. version because that one's got the most activity i think actually they oh both, okay. they both they both kind of do i've got them both open um, from the TV version, there's one that is in another language. Oh, is, cra- is this super long? Oh, my God. This is like literally seven paragraphs. I'm not reading that. Uh, Manuel Ochoa. Okay, wait. Is this on This is on the, the shorter version? Yes. Okay. Okay. I didn't know you were doing that curveball. I had to readjust here. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Pretentiousness and boredom, the movie pretentiousness and boredom the movie so uh wait how man manuel ochoa yeah okay well we got 
Uh, we got The Godfather, uh, The Dark Knight, Blade Runner, and uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Those are all movies I like. I just, it's just, it's just funny, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. Uh, what else have we got here? Anything interesting? Oh, he gave Alita Battle Angel five stars. Holy shit. Uh, he gave uh, Josh Tranks, uh, Josh Tranks, uh, Fantastic Four five stars. Um, oh, those are some bad movies. This person, not not the best person, my man. Oof. Okay. Oof. All right, let's leave her. Leave her. Uh, okay. An- Andy Gallows. Okay, got him. As one of the most celebrated films in history, I'm not sure I'm getting what everyone else is. At three hours long, at three hours, it's a massive, disjointed, unresolved undertaking. At times, I think Bergman believes himself Shakespeare, creating a world within a world. All the men and women merely players. He includes a few Shakespearean references. It's like, yeah, they literally perform Hamlet. They're actors. But for all the pomposity... Sure, it's a curiously metaphysical portrait of a young boy. His perceptions and the large and loving web of family that surrounds him. If only I could have a Christmas as lavish as the one that starts the film, though. Uh, Call me by your name. Five stars. Boom. Uh, Some weird ones here. Are there one-star films, Jarrett? You ever seen a movie called Failsafe? Yeah. Do you think that's one star? No. What about The Taking of Pelham 123? Like the original? Yep. Oh. You think that's a one star? No. So this person hates uh, Walter Matthau, apparently. Wow. Uh, Mikey and Nikki, also one star. Hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, I mean, Doubtful. there's like some of their five star films are like, I don't know, Kramer versus Kramer, Days of Heaven, Punch Drunk Love, and then something called I Am Love from 2009 from, oh, look at this. Luca Guadagnano. Uh, the, uh, that's a correct pronunciation. Okay. That is the uh, call me by your name guy. Yeah. Uh, another one down here. Doug, one and a half star. Heavy on opulence and replete with regality. This odd sexually repressed fantasy meets Christmas movie come supernatural thriller is a mess and boring as all heck. Wonderful costume design and blocking, though. <laughs> blocking. Oh, great blocking, guys. That's my, yeah, that's usually one of my number one compliments. What blocking? Man, this thing's got great blocking. And then and after uh, that, after that, I'm going to jump over to the TV version because there's one yeah. I, I got to read. This person's got bad takes, my man. Uh, like, so they're talking about sexually repressed. They had, they gave five stars to the girl next door, which I think is like a legitimately like horrible movie. That movie sucks real bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Blade Runner 2049 is in their top ratings as well. Uh, they just watched Videodrome. Oh my God. Two and a half stars to Videodrome. Fuck out of here. And then like, okay, just a couple more. One star to the ritual. One star to like Raging Bull, one star to Drive. I mean, I know you're not a huge Drive guy, but I don't think you think it's a one star film either. So, no, bad stuff, bad stuff. Um, and then over on the TV, um, okay. Mitt Sixon. Okay. I hate this movie with a fucking passion. I had to watch it in a cold ass theater. My ass almost fell off. But on top of that, I had to listen Herga Durga Dungan suck my fucking Swedish pee pee for like five hours. I'm sorry, but honestly, Fanny can kiss my Fanny and Alexander can suck my left nut. My favorite part was when I stood up after the movie and felt my blood circulating again. 
did he did he just they. watch it and or did did this person just watch it in one go and not stand up to go to the bathroom? You could pause it. Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it could have been in a theater. You could go to the bathroom. Oh. Wherever this person is. So this person, Jared, bio, actor and director, avid Criterion collector. Wow. Batman aficionado, Kubrick crackhead. Okay. Ari Aster impersonator, subtitle king. Review rate thing. Oh dear. Uh, so like, I don't know, two thousand two thousand one, a Razorhead, Scarface, American Psycho. So it's like whatever. And then one one thing interesting, someone else had a five star for uh, this film also on the other version, but five stars to Paris is burning. So this is the only like common ground I'm seeing between between some of these people who hate this movie. So that's kind of weird, no? No, maybe. I don't know. Interesting. At one point, I had someone mention how uh, they think Alexander is like the worst character. He doesn't even. He's just there. Right. They, what is he they, doing they, that? They, 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 they hate him. They hate this kid. Well, I mean, he does piss in that plant, which is a pretty shitty thing to do. Mm. But it'll live. It'll live. Uh, this, uh, whatever. Who cares? Who cares about these people who hate this movie? It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Like Very it. Or, like it or else. Like it or leave it is what they say. Yeah. Any final words on Fanny Alexander, RJ? Give it a go. Why not? Give her a shot, bud. Just give it. Go for a rip there, bud. Hey, bud. Darn hey. rights. Darn rights. Bud. After the break, we're going to get the help pregnant. The who? The help. Is that good or bad? I don't know. It seemed it seemed like it worked out pretty good here. I mean, with her wooden leg. Are you talking about the help? That movie where they uh, bake no. the shit into a pie? Is that a thing in that movie? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I've never seen it, oh. but I'm pretty sure someone takes a big shit and bakes it into a pie. That sounds about right. Okay, we'll see it when it gets added to the collection. Shit pie, coming soon. Watching Fanny Alexander, do you, do you feel a burning urge to travel to Sweden and see if that's how life really is, a hundred and thirteen years later? Well, all I know, Jared, is that I've seen 
the Muppets, and I know Swedish Chef. Yes. And I know Ergen Bergen, Durgen Durgen, Uga Booga. And I'm pretty sure that's all Swedish. Correct? That's what the Muppets have led me to believe, at least. Um, no? Okay. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your things. Bergen Bergens? We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. Yeah. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. We're on Patreon. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Blah, blah, blah. Just got blah. removed from Pornhub. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, unverified. Yep. Oh, yeah. well. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get back on eventually. Yeah, yeah. Next week, Spine 265. We What a leap we just made. That's like two... Why? Because we, we went for, because the the set the box is two sixty one but it has two sixty two two sixty three two sixty four so we just jumped oh. four movies in one week we only had to watch like two but I mean that was also like seven and a half hours well good <laughs> well I mean not good but you know good we're, we're getting there we're getting closer spine two hundred sixty five in the collection Robert Altman's shortcuts from nineteen ninety three this will wrap up the year of Altman for you RJ uh yeah I should look how many fucking Altman movies have I watched well, this year too you, many you can tell us about it next week oh I will I'm gonna look it up now anyways but I'll okay. tell you about it next week perhaps three hours buddy that's how long that movie is uh huh oh get fucked come on <laughs> and I think the movie after that's three hours too oh, and the on. one after that and the one after that cause it never ends what is your deal dude fuck you did this. Good night. Yeah. Um, fart boys. I don't know. I'm out of ideas. <laughs>